Okay, so I got on, for some reason I said, you know what, let me get back on Twitter because I haven't been on Twitter for a long time. Like, I've been on Twitter in terms of the team putting stuff out, but I myself haven't had the app, the Twitter app, on for like... Uh, Ramadan. No more, like years. Two years almost. Wow. <laughs> I got off Twitter some period of time because it was just so annoying to me, right? So it was just like taking up so much time and I would get myself into these fights, right? <laughs> so I got on like three days ago and I'm already in a fight. <laughs> I can't help it. Too many Zendiks on this platform. <laughs> this platform is terrible. It's like all Zendiks. Was okay. that the one with the professor? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm on this platform with this professor who comes up with this absolutely ab most absurd and ridiculous uh, uh, assignment. The Muslim professor from Harvard. Okay. By the way, Harvard means nothing anymore. Just me, it literally means nothing. So I, uh, he's the, the assignment is create your own religion. That's the assignment. Create your own religion. Okay. As if to say that humans can govern themselves, right? Like you couldn't, we always have checks and balances, right? But so, you, so something like a religion has to come from outside the human being. Anyway, I love what someone said is that if you're going to say create your own religion, then create your own brain, create your own nebula, create your own universe, create your own creation, right? Because uh, uh, the prerequisite of a religion is that there's a creation, right? So that's the first thing that he said was really smart. But then I said, you know, uh, I just off the cuff, and that's why I got rid of Twitter because they just stay stuff off the cuff without thinking. And I retweeted the guy and I said, well, the Jet will be really proud of this assignment, right? <laughs> then he goes on an oversensitive thing. This is academic work and investigation and we shouldn't be so closed-minded, blah, 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 blah. These guys, academics, is all a bunch of yip-yap that means nothing. On top of that, it's contradictory. So I said, look, uh, recently I had a little back and forth about a university assignment that asked students to create your own religion. When I scoffed at the idea, one guy said, you're supposed to be open-minded. Okay? That's what they say to all Muslims who get upset about anything. Be open-minded. Okay. The prerequisite of open-mindedness is that you're not certain about something. You have a little bit of a doubt. right? Now, doubt's not always a bad thing. For example, in the field of science, it's trials and error. So if I do 10 trials and I get the ten same results, it's still speculative until I do like 1,000 in the summer, in the winter, in different climates, with different people. And if I did 20,000 experiments a year, over 100 years, you know, the scientific community, then you could say this is like an absolute fact, like gravity exists. It's an absolute fact. But until then, I can be, I'm pretty certain that this is what it is. I'm confident about it, but there's speculation. So we could have that. I think all of us, for our political views, every decision we make, there's speculation, right? Any decision that we go about, there's going to be some speculation, right? So we should be open-minded to that. But there are certain things, that, that type of thing is when there is human effort involved. When your, your mind is going at something and it hasn't yet reached absolute, an absolute level. But core religious beliefs are all absolute. That's what the idea of a religion is. It's like, what are your absolutes? Like, we're speculative about a ton of things. Um, I, I, uh, if you're intelligent... And you understand the difference between the absolute and the speculative, right? You have to be open-minded about everything, okay? But the idea of a religious belief is like, this is where I draw my line. 
there is a red line here. We're not passing this line. Why? Well, every religion is going to differ. Some religions will provide you with rational basis, spiritual basis, other basis. That's a true religion would do that. A cult is just following a person. People make up red lines because they love a person. That's it. That's a cult. Like we love the Prophet ﷺ, but the Prophet ﷺ and Allah Ta'ala has furnished us also with evidence that he's a prophet, not just because we want to believe he's a prophet. It's the difference between a cult and a religion. So that's what a religion is. Now, once you make a red line and you establish, this is my principle, this is who I am, this is my belief, right? You don't question it again. Like the idea of questioning it is what we call blasphemy. Because now you're, you're going to our sanity level here, right? Why are you questioning these, these, these things that are religious beliefs? Okay? And, religious belief, and that's the difference between a religious belief that is taken on examination as well as faith. You see, the Asha'ira and the Ghazali said, like you, we don't have uh, taqlid in religion. Just because you're born Muslim, you still have to investigate your, and believe on your own. So it's not, they both can coexist. I can, have, I can believe, I have no problem. I believe, I pray, I fast, and I'm going to make sure my deen is solid by studying aqidah, studying tawheed, studying proofs of prophethood, and then genuinely being convinced. So we could all four of us here in this room be genuinely convinced. It just so happened, Ryan was not born into it, we were born into it, but we all studied the same things, and we're genuinely convinced. Allah made my decision clear. And that's why a lot of us would get along with a, a sincere, a, a devout con- convert than a born Muslim who's lukewarm, right? This lukewarm thing, it doesn't work at all. Anyway, so then I go to him and I said, look, in matters of intellectual investigation, okay, our investi- in intellectual investigation in, in Islam will be on the transmission. It was this hadith sound, right? Is it daif? Is it weak? Is it fabricated? That's where our intellectual intellect will go. Then it'll go in interpretation. Did we understand it properly? Right? Is this the correct understanding? And that's why we have madhahib. Some of them go outside the fold. They're wrong. Right? But not kufr. Just incorrect opinions. And so that's where, if we're going to go that route, then numbers matter. Wherever you put your mind in, the number of people matter. Because I'm not the first person to ask this question. I'm not the smartest person to ask this question, right? The question has been asked by for a thousand years. And smarter people than us. Like modern people think because we have technology, we're the smartest. But where do we get the technology from? From all the advancements of our priors. Previous nations, previous people. Al-Khawarizmi and all those people, right? So those people, we look at the numbers too. Because they have brains. And they all lived in different... It's not like they, the people of the past were in like one camp. No, they were in Africa, Persia, nothing to do with each other. Centuries separated them. So if they all came to the same conclusion, pretty much that's true, right? Of Islamic interpretation. Because they had nothing to do with each other, different geography, different location, all the biases would be moved away. They lived in absolutely different societies. Tell me, a man from West Africa in, let's say, 1300, common era, which would be like, let's say, 600 Hijri. Then someone from... 300 common era, no, what am I saying? 300 Hijri, which would be like 1,000 common era in Persia. Completely different, right? There's absolutely nothing related in their society. Persia, Africa, 500 years apart, 600 years apart, 1,000 years apart. And they came to the conclusion that this is Sahih Hadith, 
and it means X. That's probably what it means, right? There's no reason to collude. They couldn't even collude. Okay? They maybe speak the same language except for Arabic. So, that's that. Now today, if someone, the proof that every society has to have religious beliefs or else you go crazy, and that open-mindedness about this is blasphemy. A professor, imagine a, do a, like a mental exercise. A professor today says, students, today we will have an open dialogue on the validity or invalidity of racism. Right? And then tomorrow, we're going to push the envelope even more because they love pushing the envelope. And we're going to revisit the narrative on Hitler. Was he really that bad? Did he know what was happening? What was his origin story? Maybe he was abused as a child. Right? Maybe there was a Jewish bully who abused the heck out of him. And you would see the scene in front of you and a Jewish gang beat the life out of him. Right? Raped his mom. Killed his dad. You don't know the story. Why don't we produce a background story, right? For Hitler. That you'll be crying watching this. Okay? So all that he was doing was a natural reaction that anyone else would have done. They, he watched his mom get gang raped by a bunch of rabbis. Okay? All right. How many seconds do you think this professor is going to last? Right? You wouldn't even get it off your lips. You'd be afraid to think it. The society has inculcated you in the same way. We Muslims, and like sympathetic thought to Iblis, you, you're, you get out of your mind completely. Astaghfirullah, don't even think about it, right? A thought, a sympathetic thought towards Hitler, you wouldn't even think about it. Okay? So the speed by which this guy is fired would be considered a sign of progress or closed-mindedness. Which one? Progress, right? Society would say, look at how quickly we got this guy fired for sympathizing with Hitler and sympathizing with racism, right? So why is that progress? But thinking about everything and shutting down other discussions is closed-mindedness because your aqid is different. That's simple as that. So all these universities, they have to actually start having declaring their aqidah, their creed, uh, liberal creed, woke creed, whatever you want to call it. The problem is it's, it's fluid. They're roaming around. They don't actually uh, declare what creed they're upon. And then they say they're objective, right? But then you look at their actions and it's all one huge inconsistency. Like nobody would ever go and have an open-minded discussion on racism, Hitler, okay? But yet the Quran, the Prophet, peace be upon him, the cartoons of the Prophet, peace be upon him, play, literally playing games with deen, you get hired for that. You say the other stuff, you get fired, Right? I mean, they're, they're epistemologically fluid, whereas we have yeah. an epistemology, and we don't vary from that. They, they're, they're epistemologically... Is he on? Is his mic on? Does Dr. Harrison mean, folks? Uh, we don't have cameras. We're going to get cameras, right, for everybody. These guys are epistemologically fluid, right? But they're not fluid on the majority. They follow the jumhur. Even if Jumhur is wrong. Wherever the, whatever the Hollywood and business, wherever they go, guarantee you academia will follow. Academia is not in the lead, right? They're not in the lead. Hollywood business is really the determinant. Because once the corporations go with something and something sells, that's, a, that's the decision is made for the society. In a capitalist society, 
they're the arbiters. They're the Supreme Court of ultimately what gets the green light and what. So you could all talk, you can make your art, you can make your academic things. If we cannot sell this to the public, if our shows will get canceled, okay, because we do this, green light's off. If Nike can't, if a Nike athlete says it and he, Nike gets a reaction, he's out, right? So China, cannot question China. Why? Because Nike said so, right? I mean, what was the joke that uh, I think Dave Chappelle made about if Nike sponsored the shoes that Martin Luther King marched in, right? We'd get nowhere, right? <laughs> so LeBron James goes says something about China. He gets a call from his agent. I just got a call. Senate Muttasid from his agent, from LeBron James to his agent to uh, to for, to Nike from China, right? From the Nike ambassador to China, okay? From whatever who he deals with in China, direct China transmission. That call between the first call and the last call is like two minutes with these guys. You don't when your agent calls and he's got a message from China. You pick up that call if you're LeBron James, right? Zip it. Stop tweeting. He stops tweeting, right? Why? Billions of dollars of his whole life. He has a lifetime contract with Nike. Billions of dollars are on the line, right? So he stops. Everything else, he got the go, right? You want to talk about woke. You want to talk about police brutality. You got the go, right? In fact, do it. It sells. Um, kneeling by uh, Kaepernick. Sells. I had a friend. I went hedge with him. I grew up with him. Went to Rutgers together, right? He has a shipping company. They ship, or, or sorry, a web company there. They deal with all of the international transactions of companies. He ends up sitting in, and he's, he gets a Nike contract. So he knows their inner workings, because they're dealing with them all the time. Partners. and Or he, they're uh, one of his clients. So when he told me that, oh, we knew about this, this Kaepernick thing, they're going to support it, because they did the data analysis. And 70% of their buyers are like youth with all the attributes of who would be woke, right? So they went with it. They knew they're going to lose 30%, but that 70 will like double, right? So they're like, they, it was a no-brainer. And they, they knew that what the cost is and what the gains are to support Kaepernick. And then you had all these like uh, right-wing guys like burning their Nikes and they're never going to wear Nike again. Probably did it for six months, right? Like vegans, they're not... How many vegans are actually really vegan? They're vegan for like six years. Then he's so sick and frail and skin look terrible. No one wants to date you, right? Then you have to eat some red meat, right? Well, like I saw the hardest core uh, gluten-free, vegan, all these people. They don't stop after five, six years. They don't have istiqama upon it, right? It's like how many Muslims deleted Muslim Pro and then re-downloaded Oh, of course, yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> so uh, all these guys talk about objectivity, yet... Or, or open-mindedness on matters that they have already agreed on. But when it comes to their real red lines, they close it down, right? And the society is going to do that. But their epistemology is all through, it's a capitalist epistemology. If this sells, we do it, right? If it, uh, the majority in Jumhur go with it. But our epistemology is not based upon uh, what everyone's doing, okay? Our, our roots. Our furua maybe on our scholars, that's, there's a difference. So majority to us does matter on scholars, right? Scholars' interpretation. 
that does matter. But the roots of the matter, when you contradict certain things that are from the roots of the matter, it doesn't matter if 99.9% .9 of the people contradict those things. If 99% of the people today told you, I mean, you could be in a hospital and 99% of the people will tell you that a trans woman is a woman, right? It doesn't make a difference if 100% of you guys say it, right? Because that's, there's some things here that don't, aren't questioned. That's the idea. What do you think? I think that... Uh if we go even deeper, yeah. it really comes down to, and I know you talked about epistemology, which is true, uh, but I think ultimately what this is really a reflection of is the reality uh, that we see today across the globe that the self has been elevated to the position of, uh, of God. The self. The, the ego. Yeah. The world has become completely egocentric. So, mm -hmm. yes, there are going to be differences of opinion with respect to the manifestation of the ego mm -hmm. and the desires of people. But what has happened is that... Uh, I remember Sheikh Hamza saying this before. He was talking about a, a Native American tribe or First Nation tribe and how they had created this uh, this ground where they were trying to reflect the, the nature of the stars. And they said, as above, so below. Okay. Because that was their understanding you know, of cosmology, that there, you know, there is a creator and there yeah. is an order to the universe. What has happened now is that we flipped it, or the world has flipped it. As below, so above. Yeah. So basically what has happened is we have seen that... What I feel should, is what, what God feel. should be doing. And so, and so basically what it comes down to every single uh, facet or element of society, part of society, it's all tied to the notion of the elevation of the self. Mm -hmm. Because Islam is predicated on submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They do not believe in submission at all. They believe in submission to the self only. Yeah. And that's why you have a lot of conflicts because ultimately in the end it leads to chaos because when you have divergent views and everyone is tied to the ego, it's going to lead to conflict. I remember visiting Japan uh, 25 years ago. And one of the things that was so fascinating about that country was that um, it was the cleanest society I'd ever been to. Uh, there was a, a level of honor and respect among the people. And... Every, every country, every society has issues, but the thing that stood on my mind, uh, you know, the reason behind that was because it was a very homogenous society. I agree with that. And when you have people who, look, I'm not saying we should do away with diversity, but what yeah. I'm saying is that the beauty of our deen is that we have the framework and the foundations and the principles that we can apply to every aspect of our society. And there are not, there's an allowance for variance because there's different clothes, different food, and the like. But there are parameters we do not go beyond. Yeah. And so there is order instead of chaos. Inshallah. You know, we don't go with asabia. We go with the dedication of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. But when you have those barriers removed, yeah, it leads to a type of chaos, and that's why in the academic world, it's it's actually a promotion of that. It's mm -hmm. an elevation of self. It's an embracing of the self. And uh, one other quick point. I don't want to go on, but. You were talking about trends. Um, you know, I've worked in the animation industry for you know quite some time, and I remember going to one of the top animation conferences in the world. We had developed a, an intellectual property uh, based on or centered on female characters. Yeah. Okay. And I remember presenting to Cartoon Network, the executives at Cartoon Network, about I mean, this was again this was like five six years ago, and I remember it was a female executive. And I, I, I'll never forget the conversation I had. She said, this is an incredible project, but we are a boys' network, not a, not a girls' network. Which, which one was it? Cartoon Network. Oh, really? Oh, okay. So, but then you fast forward the clock. Yeah. Wonder Woman comes out in the theaters. Yeah. 
I go back the next year to the same, the year after Wonder Woman's release. 70% of the projects or the focus of the studios was finding projects that centered on strong female characters. Why? Wow. Because that film made so much money. Same thing with Black Panther. Because the demographics. Black Panther. Yeah. I remember talking to some African-American creators about this, and I said, listen, uh, your project, just stay the course. Don't sell your intellectual property to a third party because this movie, Black Panther, is coming out next year. Yeah. And I know the African-American community and the black community as a whole wants this type of content. Now, I didn't know the numbers were going to be as huge as they were, but then Black Panther became this you know, incredible success. It got nominated for an Oscar for Best Picture. And then the studios again flipped. They moved mm. and said, okay, now we're looking for African-American creators. Yeah. Disney actually uh, has uh, signed a, a, a deal with a very small independent studio that focuses on African mm-hmm. content. Why? Because there's money to be made. And again, it Thank goes you. back to the self. It goes, which goes back to, the, it is accurate to say that capitalism, in a sense, is a dean. Yes. In that it is the final arbiter of what gets a green light and what gets a red light, right? And if you go it's even final back, you know, capitalism is, uh, is based on the notion of the carnal, of the sensual, of the physical. Yeah, consumption, the consumption for yourself. Of, of consumption of the self yeah. and not really focused on the metaphysical yeah. or the unseen. And that's the one thing I think that they don't understand with that t- question that that professor asked is that for us, the unseen world is as real, if not more real, than the seen world. Yeah, and 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 one guy he said, "Listen, um, you getting upset at me?" He retweeted, blah blah blah, dramatic. Uh, he one guy said, "Listen, you're getting upset at him, but you are you offered for people to create their own religion. What if that's his religion? What if his religion is to follow another religion, right?" So why would you get upset at anything at that point? Because you offered people, make your own faith. What if I make a faith where you're the Dajjal? That you're the devil, right? Well, I mean, you said make your own faith, right? What if I made it, and Hitler is, is a prophet in, in, this, in this fake religion, right? Who's to say? I mean, you, you open the door, but you now want to selectively close certain doors that you don't like. No, your, your, your university is going to fire you for it. That's why. You're not going to get a paycheck anymore for certain things. So th- this whole thing of uh, the diversity point that you made was also a really good point. You know, the point for people just joining is that what Soheb just said is, uh, today's guests are Soheb Awan and Dr. Harris Amin. Soheb Awan is a lawyer, but he's in the entertainment business, and he's helped us so much with this. And he's the link that got us um, our promo that we're going to have a promo now, an introduction. You'll see it maybe next week. We'll finalize everything. We'll put a little video to it. We'll have the credits and everything. But he said that our society is so diverse, and we're promoting, society promotes your desires. You have 300 million people, 350 million people in the country. You're going to have tons of, you know, desires. It's not like you're going to have, like, certain African countries are, like, 50% Muslim, 50% Christian. The max dispute is going to be between like two parties, right? Now you've got so many different desires out there that we don't live in a peaceful society anymore. The culture clash is so huge, okay, that sometimes I'm like, think to myself, I'm so exhausted. I wish, sometimes I, I wish, I lived in a society that was homogenous, even if I was the 1% on the side that was going against the majority, you know, for like 90% of the issues, 
at least this culture war is not there anymore. I'm so sick of it. Everything. Like, you can't turn on ESPN without politics. Like, sports used to be a getaway. I'm not even 110% a promoter of just watching sports all day because there is a type of lagu at some point. It'll disrupt your spirituality if you overdo it, right? But it is good for youth, born Muslim, who are told a thousand things are haram. You don't need to, thousand and one things to be haram. Let him have one thing that's halal, right? But uh, I can't even open that anymore and there's a political discussion. Everything is political and culture wars in everything. So, so sick of it. So Japan, Japan, Egypt is very homogenous. They do have some political differentiation. But overall, you go North Egypt, South Egypt, East, West, they make the same jokes. They pretty much look the same. Everything's homogenous, right? So in that respect, uh, there's, some, there's a positive element to that. We're, we've celebrated diversity so much, but some t- at some point you realize like it's like chaotic now, right? Well, I think that uh, that's where we as an ummah have failed in yeah. one sense. And meaning... That, I do agree that on the surface it would appear that having a homogenous society would make things easier. Yeah. But uh, a little bit about my background, I'm not, you know, this is not a confessional or <laughs> revealing everything on the show, but um, I actually grew up in southwest Virginia. That's crazy. Okay, I grew up in the coal mines of southwest Virginia. Wow. We were the only Muslim family for probably... 400 square miles? <laughs> uh, for a long time. I mean, in the beginning. I remember uh, when my father first started working in southwest Virginia, it was like I said, coal... Uh, this is dating. So you may remember this, or maybe you won't. There was a movie called Coal Miner's Daughter. They filmed in that area. Wow. With space oh. I thought the coal industry was in Pittsburgh. Is that the steel industry? That's the steel, steel industry. Steel, yeah. okay. So, okay. But what's interesting is that my father still lives there. And uh, even though he was the minority in that area, his understanding of Dean and his presentation of the fundamentals of Dean and his dedication to the Dean in a, at a high level, not in a superficial way, you know, being... Very strong and under, you know, with respect to not compromising on what's important, but explaining why it was important to the people of that region, he became beloved in that area. Subhanallah. And I, and every time I go there to this day, I still remember when I was in high school. Um, now I don't know if this would be the case now. I remember when I was in high school, I was the only Muslim boy in high school, and I used to, you know, high school, you go to high school basketball games or football games. I remember. That I, you know, articulated my faith to people. I stood by my dean, and I explained it in a way that made sense. That when it was time for me to praise Salah, I'm not making this up. I had friends who would, who were not Muslim, who would walk out with me, Ajib. and stand and guard me while I was outside, literally in the parking lot, because there were no other places to play, pray. Excuse me. So, what that, and even to this day, I mean, the people in that area. Uh, my father's never had an issue with them. Now, there's always going to be, you know, listen, there's going to be tensions. There's going to be a little bit of racism in every corner of the globe. But my point is that people can live civilly and in peace with one another. And our dean is, is predicated on if we present our way of life in a way that's not only based on uh, believe this because we believe this, but there's an actual intellectual heritage to this. And yeah. that's what your books on Akita are about. All the books on Akita are about. When you present that to these people and you stand by that, there's a level of respect, which is, again, why Muhammad Ali was one of the most respected athletes, yeah. the most respected athlete in the history of, of modern sports. Even though people didn't you know, believe in his religion and he was Muslim, why was this man so beloved? If you remember the funeral, my yeah. father was able to go to the funeral in Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah, so he was there. Uh, Sheikh Hamza was there, and I know a couple other people were there as well. But uh, Imam Zayd gave... Uh, uh, basically was there uh, you know, and prayed for 
him and his family and uh, did the janaza. But my point is that here was somebody who lived the faith. And I remember you mentioned this uh, yesterday, I think, during the show, which was a, such a great observation, that Islam is not an academic pursuit. Just yeah. like you were talking about these professors. It's a lived it's it's a way of life. Yeah. So if you, you can you can talk all you want, you can do you can pray, and that's a wonderful thing. But if you are not actively improving the world you're in, yeah. Um, you, you, it's it's not worth it. I, you know, not this promise is the last point. Um, our company, our mandate is, our ummah is your story. Subhanallah, that's and, great. And my thought process behind it was this: if we are going to be producing content and stories for create uh, for audiences and consumers around the world, you never go to someone's house if they invite you to dinner without bringing something to them. 100%. So being included, yeah. I'm not, I don't, I don't believe in inclusivity unless you're contributing and improving the area in which you're in. Yeah. And that's what we want to do as Muslims. We actually want to improve the society's whole, humanity's whole, everything that is, that is important to us should be important to everyone else. I think the best da'wah is a great story. Yes. And 100%. it does not have to be explicit. No. Right? It doesn't have to be explicit. Right? It just because it's a great story. But I wanted to mention something that you were saying is that um, you were making a point about uh, standing up for something. In our day and age, you stood up for things outside of yourself. Mm. Like you stood for a principle that was outside of yourself. The shift that happened very slowly without us realizing is people standing up and being bold, courageous, heroes for your desires, Mm. right? Just for just because my desire of something, whereas the past paradigm was always that your desire is a lowly thing, and that's actually the easy way out in life. The easy way out in life, and and it's a harmful way out, is to go the route of my desires, right? To rise above your carnal self or your lower self. This is a whole Christian paradigm, which is we agree with this paradigm, right? All the monotheistic religions have this paradigm, even the ancient religion that was lost of the what they call the Hyksos. These were the people who were descendants of Ishaq that took over the pharaohs. And Zulaikha was one of them. right? And they had lost the revelation. Time passed. They didn't know much. But they had this concept. And Zulaikha says, Nafsu Ammar Bissu. So they were people that had idea of angels. When they saw Yusuf, they said, this is an angel. So they had certain ideas. Just like the Christians have certain paradigms. They have angels, demons, ego, we agree on all that, right? Because so Christian society was taking this idea that uh, you rise against yourself for a higher principle and you sacrifice yourself, right? So he sacrifices his gold medals. I don't know if it's a myth or it's true. He throws the medal. He doesn't go to the vet, uh, Vietnam War. He goes to jail. So he sacrifices freedom for three years. He lost a belt, I think. He, had well, to win- he lost, it, yeah, he he lost he, everything, right? I mean, they said that if you calculate how much... He had lost at that time. Yeah, it would be equivalent today of about three hundred million dollars. Wow, lost. wow, yeah, for that. For that. So, something above his desire. And he even said that, look, I won't go into the military and fight because they were said, look, we don't need you to fight. Yeah, you can just just go, just do exhibition boxing matches. Ah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, and he said, look, no, it's still said, supporting I, you. you. Know, I'm not. I cannot because of my faith fight for political reasons yeah. against innocent people. Yeah, we, we as Period. Muslims do not fight. For political reasons. So then, so then, but today's heroes, though, they're like complete frauds. They're like, um, 
they're like fighting for, for firstly no one attacked you right you notice this like so, today i'm i'm a, uh, i'm coming out blah 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 and we're victims but I, no one attacked you you invented this up in your head most of the time right and you're courageous for following your deepest and darkest desires when you're you're the the one that you're going against is really just in your imagination or my total right to believe that that's wrong right and my total right to say it like so how are you how are you a victim how are you courageous going against someone who's that's his right to do that right so that's one point i want to make the other point i want to make is regarding the epistemology our epistemology being a prophet and his and the book revealed to that messenger sallallahu and the the most correct understanding which would be the understanding that has uh, super, uh what's the word transcended time and place right what we can call ahl sunnah is that this is an understanding that's transcended geography geographic limits and centuries it's transcended time and place so that's the correct we're going to say that's the correct understanding with certainty okay with all those opinions if i if we went on that if we lived by that and your great grandfather in india lived on that and your great grandfather let's say also india right <laughs> lived on that yeah. but not kashmir or anything kashmir no 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 okay no, no. pakistan or india 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 so but you're india too well no, he 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 was in india and then he went to pakistan, pakistan. okay so subcontinent and, and my uh, great-grandfather, and then all of our great-grandkids, and who knows where our great-grandkids are going to be. Maybe your kid will be in Australia. Maybe my gr- three generations down, my kid will be back in the Middle East. Maybe it'll be further west in Hawaii. Who knows? But let's say they also followed books on the uh, nor- normative, as they call it in academic, we call it Ahl Sunnah, right? Form of the hip. Okay. How much is different between them? What's different between them? From the subcontinent in your forefather, let's say in the year 1800, in the subcontinent, practice Islam. And my great-grandkid in the year 2200, uh, let's say, 100 years from now, 80 years from now. What year are we in? I mean, the year's passing so quick, I don't even know. It's 2022. So let's say 180 years from now and 180 years before us, right? What is different? I could tell you what they agree on. I could tell you that the way that they believed in sexuality is the same. They would have proposed in a similar manner. Certain things you would have, they would have not done, and certain things they would have not done with their body, and similarly the they would have done with their body. I could tell you what they consumed, what their contracts would not have looked like. Right? We know that we don't know what they're buying and selling. Right? They may be buying and selling things that they never seen in between Hawaii and Pakistan, four hundred years apart. But we know there's not going to be riba in the contract. Right? We would have known that they it's not going to be riba on purpose. So much is in common. We wouldn't know that what they're doing when the sun's rising. They're both making wudu. They're both reciting the same iqamah, the same event. So this gives a human being such a feeling of like oneness with life, with the universe, existence. Because I know that the malaika at that time were doing the same thing malaika do. Right? And our enemy, Iblis, same thing he's doing there, same thing he's doing here. He's going to lead him astray, same way he's going to lead your forefathers astray. It's the same thing. So what's different is the things that are like fun to be different. They're nice to be different. How you cooked your meat, how you cooked your food, the styles of clothes. The things are nice to be different, right? 
There are styles of things that changed that have to change or else we will go crazy. The flavors of life. The flavors of life have to change. Like this whole setting, this whole set, these plants, these things, in 30 years, they better be different or else you go crazy, right? Everything's got to change. Those certain flavors of life have to change. Certain things don't change. So let's say if I go to Australia, you ever been to Australia? It's a really great, uh, Sydney's a great city to go to. So I go to Australia, I see birds I've never seen before. Big white birds, tall, with black beaks, like hooks like this, thin hooks like this, walking around. Like we've never seen birds like that. It's tall, so maybe like this high, and it's white, and it's got a black face and a black beak that goes like this, and black legs. Like we've never seen a bird like this, and it's, it's common over there, right? So that's the flavor of life, but I know like how that bird recreates, what it eats, like, I know it's not carnivorous, for example. It's not a falcon or a hawk. I know how to eat it or that how they reproduce. So certain things, Allah has kept it the same. Like, how they reproduce. I know that there's going to be a male and a female version. And that if it flaps its wings, it's going to go up, not down. It's not, there's not going to find a bird in the world that flaps its wings and go forward, right? <laughs> or walks forward and goes backwards. No, certain gra- laws would make us crazy if they changed. But certain things in the creation... If they say the same, we'd go crazy. You notice that? Mm. This is an amazing thing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like oxygen. Oxygen, if it goes, you're a doctor. You have to have oxygen in your lungs. But oxygen, if it goes up to the brain, uh, to the brain from outside the body, you can, what would happen? What would happen if, I drilled a, if you drilled a hole in someone's it's skull? <laughs> Something bad's going to happen. The outcome would not be good. The outcome's not going to be good. <laughs> yeah. If I just poked a hole in anywhere randomly in your body and I stopped pumping oxygen, wouldn't you get sick? So the oxygen, we need it so badly, but it has to go in one spot. Mm-hmm. Food. There's two, you, it's one mouth, a two uh, esophagus, and the trachea, right? The food has got to go in the esophagus. If it goes in the trachea, oh, you're in trouble. You die, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made certain things, like the fine, fineness of a hair, but they have to be in opposite directions. One always changing, and one always staying the same. So, you know, I wanted to say I, I was listening to Sheikh uh, Abdul Hakim Murad, mm. and he was, you know, he talks above me, so I yeah. only can capture a little bit. But he was talking about how in the Western concept there's some painting or something of a creature that's looking backwards, but, but walking forwards, and he said that like that's a, a reflection of humanity, right? Mm. But Islam kind of gives you your forward, just what you were saying yeah. about that. That you know, we know where we're going, uh, you know, not only in what we do in our Amalat, but also what the Prophet told us, how the world is going to be and what we have to look mm-hmm. out for. Uh, my second point was that, you know, taking away uh, God frees up your ego to do things. So that kind of society long-term only succeeds until, uh, under an authoritarian... Regime, 100%. Right? So like because China, who's to say? China, like you can think whatever you want, doesn't matter. The mm-hmm. Communist Party will tell you what to, what yeah. to do. So we'll see how long... Uh, that sort of uh, because a guy like a, a guy like uh, let's say Marx comes up with an economic system that's he thinks is equitable to society. It's his idea, right? So the only way for them to enforce it, they cannot preach it and get us to be convinced. They can't, right? right. They have to f- force it by law. Right. And then if you're going to force it, what what's the limits that you guys have? You have no limits. Marx never wrote a book and he said, okay, look, if the people reject it, then the first category of people are sinners. The second category is innovators. The third category are conquered peoples. The fourth category, there's no such thing as that, right? So when it comes time for Stalin to actually execute this thing, 
there's no direction on what to do with people who are against it. Kill them. Force it. Yeah. Right? Kill them. And no separation between Stalin. Are you upset because you reject Marxism or that he offended you? Right? That concept too. We have in Sharia, we have in, in, a, in a divine religion, there's a way to convince people. And then there is a time to use force. There is an aspect where you can use force. And there is an aspect you cannot use force. Right? And it's all written in stone and set for us. So we know when can we use force, when can we not use force. It's only when it's hurting the external, not you can do whatever you want. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> only when you're, so the king, you're depriving your people of Tawheed? All right, well, you got three days waging war on you. The king only. You can't go into the towns raping people and, and taking uh, just the king and his army. Once that's submitted, this is the olden days, of course, right? Once they're submitted, that's it. You can't go around uh, putting guns to people's head and say pray, right? Plus, you don't want to believe, don't believe. It's up to you, but pay, right? <laughs> By the way, that jizya is not even a lot of money. You know the Umayyads? The Umayyads, they ruled these people. They said, look at the jizya. Look at the tax, the zakah. Uh, uh, oh, the jizya, it's not jizya, it's kharaj. It's the yeah, property tax. The property tax. You can't charge a Muslim property tax, right? Property tax. Because he's not a Muslim and we conquered your territory. So you're paying his property taxes. Wait a second. <laughs> Stay not Muslim. He becomes a Muslim. He doesn't pay property tax, but now he pays zakah. But we don't get the zakah. Zakah goes to the poor. Stay not Muslim. Allah, <laughs> that's what they did. And I saw this. And in, in one of the professors, there was a guy called Hodding, Professor Hodding at Soas. We used to call him Ibn Iblis, right? <laughs> he went and he said, the Muslims, Umayyad suppressed, I didn't know about this stuff, they suppressed people from converting into Islam. I said, impossible. It's impossible. What Muslim would do that? Then I get to the books, I'm like, oh, they did, right? <laughs> and the reason was, they didn't really care so much about Islam. They wanted the money. So I said, wait a second, that's actually a proof of Islam. That's actually a proof because your jizya is nothing, basically. It's not a lot of money. The kharaj, the property tax of conquered territories, that's what they wanted. Now you become Muslim, we can't charge you property taxes anymore. That's the problem. So they don't want you to become Muslim. And, and they're becoming Muslim because the Sharia is better for them financially. So if the Republicans all would, want, would love Islam if they know about our tax laws. We don't allow these taxes. None of these taxes are allowed. All this Cayman Islands will go out of business, right? Where they're all their Swiss banks go out of, take, keep your money. Right? We're not taxing you except for police, and we're taxing for the military. The internal safety, external safety. That's it. We're allowed to tax for that. Alhamdulillah that's for the it. United Arab Emirates. Yeah, that's what they <laughs> So they would love all these tax laws. You know, some people say, uh, some people approach taxes like they approach zakah because piety is built into them. So he says, I don't know, it's my, my accountant says this is a little bit of a um, loophole. Am I allowed to take it in the Sharia? It's like, you're not allowed. You have to take it. Protect your money, right? Honestly, if, if there was a Cayman Island loophole, I'd use it, right? If, there, if it was legal, why not? I, I protect my money. Uncle Sam, it's not his haq to take my money. Yeah, for the North Brunswick Township, we have an agreement. They're going to take my trash, pave my roads, provide me water. I'm happy to pay North Brunswick Township taxes. I look at the guy, the governors, they're living just like me. They're not, the money's not being used wrong, right? They're not doing any projects that are bad, right? So, fine, I'll pay that. And it's pennies anyway. But the federal taxes, with all you guys are doing, why should I pay this, right? How is it that you're working six months out of the year for them, yeah. and you're giving that to Uncle Sam, right? So all these things that uh, are almost like, uh, how do we even get to this topic? I can't even remember, right? <laughs> well, no, I think you hit it on the head. I, I, again, it's, it's an evidence or proof 
that when the self is elevated, yeah, ultimately, and it leads to uh, conflict, it leads to uh, situations which ultimately le- will lead to the unhappiness of the human being. It frees the bleeds, right? To yes. give you your shahawat, and then you just pursue them in the name of you not hurting anyone else. Yeah, exactly. That's it. You can do whatever you want. And, and you know what they always say? Uh, don't hurt other people. Uh, do what you want as long as you don't hurt other people. Okay. What else is your principle of secular morals? Um, don't be a jerk. Okay. So all of your stuff is don't be. Well, what to do? What should I do? Right? Like, well, what is goodness? You do you. Okay. So then what if my I'm doing me and you're doing you and Ryan's doing Ryan and all of our doings come up to a clash? Right? I'm being sincere and I'm not wanting to hurt anyone. He's being sincere, he doesn't want to hurt anyone. You two being sincere, you don't want to hurt anyone. But we're doing the opposite thing, right? It's going to be chaos in society. Start canceling each other. Yeah, it's chaos in society. <laughs> we, we actually never did our intro. We have to do our intro. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. How many minutes into this before we do our intro? Uh, huh? Quarantine Cinco, 45. All, all By the, the way, all of Safiya and we speak Spanish now. <laughs> yeah. Brian, how was the uh, barbecue? Yesterday, sweet. Who did it? What was his name? Um, now Dennis, he, he couldn't make it, so we put uh, Oscar. We put it like all and the downstairs neighbors were doing it. They were all, everybody was cooking it up. Downstairs neighbors came out to to eat corn. Yeah, oh yeah. Habib was like cooking the corn, and then all the Nicaraguan brothers were like he, pushed him away. Oh my gosh! So they took over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then what did Edwin, uh, the neighbor, do? Edwin, Edwin was just chilling around, and all his kids were like helping. Okay, but so they weren't uh, putting pork chops. Because he asked me, you know, his son does, because they hardly speak English, and, yeah. and he doesn't speak English at all, Edwin. He's the neighbor. He's the tenant. And then his son is like five years old, six years old. He hardly speaks English either, yeah. right? The daughter speaks English. Yeah, the daughter knows. So uh, Edwin asked me, he said something in Spanish. He said, what does it mean? The son, he says, my dad, he wants to eat this. <laughs> this of the pig, right? <laughs> oh, I said, oh, ribs, right? <laughs> so, um, so I said, okay. Yeah, you guys could use the grill for that. We'll wash the grill after you use it. They never used it. But by the way, for in Sharia, Allah, he says, don't eat the pig, but don't come near alcohol. Why? Alcohol is addictive. Pork, it's not addictive, right? So it's not a problem for me if the tenant eats pig, right? I'm not going to support it. But he's asking to use a grill. It's not even my grill, right? So I don't know whose grill it is. It's a grill we found in the backyard when we bought the place. So I, prim- I allowed it, right? Go grill what you want to grill. I'm not- don't ask, don't tell, Right? But Mar- alcohol, if huh, Marxist yeah, it's, a, grill. it's a Marxist grill. It's a, it's an open grill for everybody. But alcohol, I'm not going to allow him. Uh, I'm not going to allow any alcohol. So I said, look, and, um, grill what you want to grill, but they're not allowed to have beer on the premise. Like, I don't know what he's going to bring his home. It's not my business. But outside in the yard, you can't have khamr, right? And um, so, but that's the thing about that. So. We got the the guys grilling, speaking Spanish, and uh, uh, they're they're taking part in it. So, what is exactly Ryan? What is Nicaraguan corn exactly? Elotes. Which means elotes. What is elotes? We like uh, take some corn, make it nice and crispy and black. Oh, okay. And then like burn burn it. Burn much. Put some cream on it. Put Butter. Like, not like sour uh, cream. Like sweet cream. Sweet yeah. cream, okay. Cheese and some hot sauce. Che- wow. Is it good? Did you eat it? Yeah, oh yeah. It was, was it good? I have a good video of it. Yeah, it was, it was a great stuff. So it was a great vibe yesterday. I want, see, see, we're doing our Wednesday dinners, what we promised, and we said our first soup, soup kitchen. Every Wednesday we're having a dinner, right? That's it, one time a week. 
so we get good at it. Then we have the tulab al-ilm from the summer, the ma'had. Okay, ma'had is means like school, seminary. They're going to be part of their job is you have to support one of the, another day for dinner because it takes a lot of manpower. Ryan Pink can't be there every day, right? Take a lot of manpower. So, uh, by the way, Habib Omar inshallah is going to name the ma'had for the barakah of it. I said, you know what? Get my mind and desires out of it. I want Sheikh to name it. Right, so we'll see what he, name, he, whatever name he comes up with, is going to be a great name. Right, that's it. I've decided it's a great name as it is. So, uh, and I don't care if it translates well in English, if it's pronounceable in English. Khalas, we made the intention that that's it. The barakah is more important. So, uh, we got to open up our episode today. Inshallah, we're on uh, now. How many? What's fifty minutes, Ryan? Cinquenta minutos into the episode. Cinquenta minutos, we do the intro. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa ala. We are very proud to be have a sponsor. Mecca Books is our first sponsor. And they also run Ihya Tours. And they got the Hajj trip, which they're getting squeezed by the Saudi government, right? Barely squeezing out a hedge trip but alhamdulillah I, they saw, have, I saw 9,500 people in the entire North America no entire North America he's getting 20 people <laughs> and the cost 20 and the cost you don't even want to know okay of the hedge trip um, so this is brought to you by Mecca Books next is brought to you by professors and you go to professors because you need uh, a tutor for the MCATs, for the GRE, for high school math. They do a really good job. And I've seen certain people get tutored and their grades just went through the roof. I heard they do urban planning also. They do. They, oh, they urban do planning. urban planning. Put a tree here, put a stoplight here, put a yield sign here. That's urban planning, isn't it? Urban planning is to make all the lights non-sequential so you have to stop on every single one. Oh, my God. That's urban, that's urban called planning. the brick wall, the red light wall, right? I think that's civil engineering. Urban, urban planning is make it so you, if you want to put in a pool or a nice deck in your backyard, it's really hard to do. Oh. <laughs> that's what it is. That's the whole right? thing. It's, hilarious thing is, uh, uh, like, talk about these uh, libertarians, all right? Libertarians online. We should all have nukes. Right, libertarian in real life. Why do I need a permit to build a shed in my own backyard? Right. Okay. Next sponsor is Patreon. Yourselves, patreon.com backslash Safina Society. I really wish I just got at Safina, but so-called proposed trying to be model took that. Right. And I think she's Joseph Safina's daughter. She's not even a successful model. Right. But she's got zero activity on her Patreon page. But she's locked up the name. I should email her. Maybe you could send her a t-shirt. And she could yeah. That for, uh, for I us. should email this person and say, you're not using this. Give us the name Safina. Also, safina.org, safina.com, safina.net is all purchased by this rich guy in Florida named Joseph Safina. Probably like Lebanese origin or something. I emailed him. I said, hey, what do you got to lose? He said, I'll give it to you. 75 grand. 75 grand. Okay. So, Anyway, it's patreon.com backslash Safina side. And if you want to take all of our courses, so many pre-recorded classes at arcview.org. Okay, arcview.org. And Ryan, why don't you put up the little banner that says when we do this live stream. I don't know if you have it, but if you don't have it, that's okay too. So. I saw it, but I don't, I don't know where it went. Oh, that's okay. No problem. I have it, I have it 
what is you were laughing earlier on the episode, Ryan? Was there something funny? By the way, for the first time, Facebook, our Facebook stream, is beating our uh, um, Instagram Instagram feed for the we, first time. We had a, no, our, sorry, our YouTube. We had our first hater come. Like, Who's Josh? What does Josh Brolin want from us? Hardcore hater, you see this? What are he saying? I don't even want to read what he said because he's gonna make. Oh no, it's gonna. Like, he's like just a hater. Just general hate or? Like it's Islam. Just hates Islam. Hates Islam. Okay, so um, he hates Islam, but he's not a Muslim who's hating within us. No, no, no. I actually have no problem with people who hate on us, on all of us because that sort of brings us together. It, I'm sort of bothered, and I have a limited approach to how we go to some of the Muptadya online because what we consider Muptadya, it looks like it's infighting, and oftentimes it's destructive. Sometimes it has to happen, right? Especially if someone's way off and saying kufr. So the 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 dawabit or the parameters I put now is, if it's like explicit kufr, then we go all out. If it's explicit like an innovation, then like a p- more polite um, critique. So and if it's, but if it's a non, uh, you know, someone outside of Islam completely, I have no problem going out with that. So if Josh Maham reported Josh, that's how bad it was. Wow. He was saying some nasty stuff. Uh, Maham says, last time you said it, he wanted 50K. Yeah, the number was so ridiculous that I get lost between 50K, 75K for, for Joseph Safina in Florida. Let's see what he's up to. If he's well, wait, I have to wait till he dies, I guess. Just wait till the guy dies. I think if you look at the Syria, you have to be careful about Arabs quoting numbers. What's that? Arab if you look at numbers? the Syria Arabs. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. 70,000. 70, 70,000. Yeah, 70, 70, 70, 70, <laughs> That's true. That's true. Okay, so let's go to our comments here and see what we got going on here on Instagram. Okay. Uh, RVD1, thank you for your dua, and may Allah Ta'ala increase you and give you haq. Okay. Um, Let's go to this guy who told me... um, One guy said... What in your belief system holds Dajjal to be compelling? I said, nothing. I don't like it at all. Compelling, like, moved by it? You think is this is by choice we're believing this? <laughs> by, by some emotion? Right? There's a lot of things in our deen. Let's be honest. We would not do it at all. Openly. We would not do it. If Allah hadn't said it. Right? And that's actually the proof of Iman. Tell me exactly how many women would wear hijab if Allah didn't say wear hijab. And if all the Muslim Sahabiyat wore hijab, and they understood that's what hijab is, they all wore it the same exact way as it's worn today. Okay, Why would a Muslim woman do this? right? Unless it's some, you go back to some Middle Ages where that was the fashion. Like the elites and royals, they do not show themselves. You see it in the movies even. right? Even in England. When she goes out, she's completely covered. right? That was a thing. But other than that, why would you do it? How many of you would lower, be honest with yourselves, would lower your gaze if Allah didn't say lower the gaze. No, you wouldn't. Guarantee you wouldn't. What's the proof? You don't lower your gaze on cars, right? And you wouldn't. Even if I preached lower the gaze on cars because it's dunya, you wouldn't lower the gaze. You wouldn't do it, right? So what do men love more, cars or women? Well, it's probably up to debate, but truth is they love women more, right? Uh, foods, okay? 
No one's going to go say, oh, de de decrease your foods, right? Uh, don't eat these luscious foods because they're all, they, they taste good in this dunya. No, you're not going to listen to that, right? You're going to eat what you want to eat. Uh, so, so many things in this deen is simply done uh, because we believe in Allah. And those are the best of things. Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib, they said, what is the best of deeds? He said, the one you don't want to do. The one you hate doing. Listening to your parents, obeying them, being having this concept of family even. Now you grow up, I got a responsibility now with wife and kids. Most guys, why would, they, why would we do that? Why would we lock ourselves in? All these frat boys, they don't lock themselves in, right? And all these guys with the midlife crisis just says goodbye. Why? Right? Why don't we go live and get rich and go live in Las Vegas and get a younger woman? I'll do that. So, so much in our deen. But what happens is an unnatural, supernatural thing comes, comes down. It's not, it's not something that's like natural. It comes down, okay? And it puts sakina in your heart when you obey Allah. So when a person is saying, no, I love lowering my gaze, I love birr al I love salat al-fajr and tahajr and the water hitting my face, he's not lying, but it's not his, his, his original self that loves it. That's the reward of obedience. And Allah puts a sakina that's higher than carnal passions. Imam al-Haddad said, what is the least reward of dhikr? He said, when you have done a remembrance of Allah properly. The least reward is that it's sweeter than carnal passions. right? But at the outset of the person, the outset of your deen, when you first started, someone told you there's no reward from Allah for this. right? There's no sakina for this. okay? You wouldn't do it. And Allah hasn't commanded it. You wouldn't do it. All right, so... That's the Can I ask a question about um, you were talking about uh, not doing things and doing things and obviously the deen precludes us from certain things and allows us to do certain things is it fair to say or what, is the, what do the scholars say with respect to uh, particular challenges that each individual faces that maybe that individual only has so for In example what? someone has you know, a very bad temper it's just part yeah. of their nature is that something that every human being has there's one or two or a handful of challenges that are unique to that individual that they have to overcome is that is, is that in our tradition or that everyone's going to have a different temptation for example exactly 100 percent. some so yeah you have different temptations who knows why right who knows why that certain people have an inkling i guess the uh, studies in alcohol alcoholism hold that you're altering your proteins by your behavior right and so therefore when you produce an offspring you may be transmitting that craving, mm. right, and that susceptibility, maybe right, maybe wrong. Who knows? Doesn't make a difference to us, right? But there are going to be people who have different cravings in life and different flaws. There's anger. There's also cowardice. It's not cowardice. It's like people's nerves are not create are not set for confrontations. I know people like this, like physically, the person will get sick at the concept of a confrontation. And I'm sitting there like, wait, this is fun, right? <laughs> right? And he's like getting butterflies and all that. His, his khilqa, his creation is like that. So he has to do a lot to make sure he doesn't fall into what Allah says, Don't soften. Do not soften to the oppressors. Or else the fire that consumes them, its sparks will touch you. Because you soften to them. That's why... You have to, every once in a while, explicitly and openly, 
have animosity. Animosity meaning open, conf- uh, openly against something that's kufr. Every once in a while. So I have a wit. Because social media is, like, or, or words is our, it's all, all we have right now, right? Words and the pen and the keyboard. Once a year, something against all the mubtadiyah and the kufar, right? <laughs> once a year. Just to make sure newcomers who are just discovering, you know, uh, the page and stuff, they know where we stand, exactly. That's the idea. It's funny, you know, you were talking about how God tests or refines everyone, like, and I see it all the time in, in my own work, yeah. is that people that undergo retina surgery for, let's say, retinal detachment, they're not going to see anything out of the eye for at least a month, right? Mm. And for people that are, like, so impatient about everything, I'm like, you just got to be patient. And I've oh. even told some people that, look, this is God's way of teaching you patience. Yeah. You just have That's to be true. patient. You'll get your sight back. SubhanAllah. But you have to be patient. And if I'm not mistaken, our dean, the victory obviously is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The success comes from him, but we are victorious just by the nature of struggling against those things. That's what makes us victorious because you may never overcome those. It's up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's a beautiful saying. Uh, you're not pious because you're sinless, right? You're pious because you reject the sin in your heart and in your behavior and you fight against it. There can be someone who's climbing the path of wilayah, he doesn't even know it. Every week, he falls into his sins. And then he makes tawbah. Right? And he fails again. And he may do this for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And he doesn't realize his iman is actually increasing. Right? Because every time he makes tawbah, he's, rep- he's believing that Allah can forgive him. And he's believing that Allah has the power. Right? And he's believing that Allah is simply testing him. And testing his persistence and his perseverance. That's Iman. He doesn't even realize his Iman is growing. And in the sight of Allah, he's growing. But Allah has unleashed a dog upon him. And that dog will not let go until Allah calls him back. Simple as that. Allah will call him back when the test is over. That's why when someone cries, I'm addicted to, to, to pornography. See, listen. Wilayatullah, the wilaya, is not that you have no sins. We want to get there. It's a wonderful quality. But nearness to Allah is that you never accept for yourself to be a sinner and you never stop believing that Allah Ta'ala can remove this from you. You have to believe that. And Iblis does not care that you committed one sin. He cares that you get hopeless. And you believe, oh Allah, is not, Allah even Allah can't get through this. That's what Iblis wants you to believe. And once you don't believe in the Qudra of Allah, that attribute is one of the major attributes of our belief. You don't have any iman. Your iman is just on the outside. No qudr. Let's go to um, I, I, uh, Rajash. I guess he was talking nonsense. Did he make any good points at least? Or is this throw, throwing nonsense? Uh, yeah, I think if he was standing up, he had to go sit down. Oh, he was just blah, 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 blah. All right. All right. Um, Let's see who else we got here. Um, I have a question regarding trans women. I want to attend a yoga class for women only, but it's open to all who identify as women. If the person in front of you appears as a woman, 100%, right? No hair on the face. Okay? Um, No hair, like no deep voice. By Sharia, you may treat them as a woman, right? We have uh, it is. in our practice, yeah. we have trans women 
and I have to look at them up close. Oh my god, to find out. <laughs> By the way, you know what I was thinking the other day? You're not uh, missing anything. I was thinking the other day, some of our, some women from our parts of the world, they can never be trans men. <laughs> like your body shape, <laughs> some women have body shapes, you can never become a trans. You're like immune from ever being trans. If you ever try to be trans, these women are so, they have such, you know, I'm not going to be graphic here, but you know what I'm talking about, right? You can only be a trans man if you have a certain lean skeletal system. Most women in most parts of the world, to be honest, they don't have that. Have you seen, like a, I have not seen a trans man in real, in real life. I, they're all trans women. There's they're all men going, trying to become women. women. Yeah, because right? women have dominated Western society, so the, the men are like, all right, how do we counter feminism, right? I guess join them, right? <laughs> become women. And they've destroyed feminism, right? Because there's no cis feminine. It's just whatever it is, right? They just, that's why all the feminists are, are, what do they call them? TERFs. Trans, blah, blah, blah. Um, what are they? What is it? What's a TERF again? What do they call them? I don't know yet. Oh, okay. So it's basically transphobic, radical feminists. That's what they are. One of the so, things that's so amazing, you mentioned this yesterday or the day before with uh, some of the discussion related to abortion. Maybe it was a couple of days back. But one of the other things that's amazing about our dean is that when it comes to every one of these issues, mm-hmm. we're able to, re- I don't want to say relatively easily neg- you know, navigate and negotiate that. Yeah. But they're, they're relatively clear parameters yeah. in, in dealing with these things in a way that allows the society to not get gummed up in the works and to move ahead. Yeah. Like you said, as far as you know, belaboring the point and fighting back and forth, we say, okay, you, you treat the, uh, those individuals in that fashion and you move on. That's it's it. unbelievable that Sharia actually has a response to this. It's unbelievable how quickly the ulama came. They 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 seem to have uh, came up with that. Um, okay, let's see. Sheikh K says how to differentiate between doors opening and clothing, closing. Um, when the door is closed, all your advisors will echo the same thing. Remember, we don't do istishara without istikhara. So istikhara, oh Allah, open the doors or close them. And your mind. Firstly, if it's something becomes impossible, like literally impossible, like I want to buy that house, someone else buys it. Tell us, it's become impossible. You may still want it, but it won't be now. You can still get it in 10 years, maybe the guy sells. All right, so there will be, okay, Muzammil wants episode, timestamps on episode 54 and 55. They're there, they're just in the description. They're there, they're in the description there. Okay. All right, let's see. Maham says, I feel that's why all the lines chosen for the Adhan is come to success. Otherwise, people won't do it. You need a motivation because you're trading. I'm buying and selling. I'm doing work. Then the Adhan comes, okay, halfway through the Adhan, come to success. You realize you think that this trade right here is your success? No, this is just an illusion. Allah Ta'ala is the only real giver of success. Ahmed Ali says, a question for the Q&A. Is one deprived of both reward and effect of dhikr if done in ghafla or just the effect? No, if, if you do dhikr in ghafla, you will, uh, there is still a, a, a reward to it. Both reward of akhirah and of the, the dunya, effect of the dunya, but it's just watered down a bit. So what's, for example, one of the rewards of the akhirah? Your tongue will be rewarded for saying the name of Allah. Your tongue. Um, you, you're not backbiting. 
you're not talking ghafla. Hajra Mahmoud, she says, What's the best form of tawbah? The dua of Yunus? The dua of Laylatul Qadr? Or Sayyidul Istighfar? Tawbah, in fact, all these dua are powerful, but it's the one that you say with the most ikhlas. If you said nothing of those, but you had full ikhlas, it's tawbah. So, these are merely means to express your ikhlas. Wilaya is not equal to having no sins. Wilaya equals nearness to Allah irrespective of sins. That's correct. Okay. What are you guys talking about? Yasin Kanaboy and Ahmed Ali. What are they talking about? They've seen that... This the, the woman um, transition thing. Oh, the transition fatwa? No, yeah. like, have you seen... Uh, Oh, switching back? No, I, don't, I hardly see that. What I see is, and the worst is is not even trying transition. That's what I call it. Not even trying transition, right? You guys are afraid. So I'm walking with my daughter the other day to the hospital for medical procedures. We walk and we see a sister. We think it's a sister. She's got a debutta on. A debutta. Okay? This is Daisy trans. Okay? A debutta. And we're like, wait, hey, what's that? I said, who is that? So we're thinking to say salams because New Brunswick we're pretty much probably going to know her. Just right? Yeah, we're going to say salam Okay. <laughs> we're going to do that. But then, this is the end of the parking lot. We get closer, closer, closer. Okay. And because there they were wearing a mask. So we didn't see. Then all of a sudden, we didn't see that it was a dude. All of a sudden, chest hairs. The Buddha. With makeup on the eye, like you could see that there was some eye, eye makeup. Okay, some Muslim women do this, right? And the mask. So we thought it was a woman from far away. She's like, oh, I said, oh, Jenna, who is that? So we could say something like, all right. She's like, I don't know. I think it may be Sister Zainab, right? We get there. <laughs> right? We get there, hairs. <laughs> Funniest thing, full hairs on the nail polish and hairs, right? On the arm. She looks at me. <laughs> I look at her, right? And she's like, the face is white, right? She's like, well, did you see that? This is what I'm saying. You'll never mistake them up close. What I love about this thing, little kids, there's not even a fit for kids. They're disgusted, right? Like when I was young, when the liberals came around, that was a fitna. A liberals, liberals in my day, and your day, and your day. Liberals in America was really nice music, Really pretty women, really cool dudes. Those were liberals, right? It's a fitna. This is not a fitna, right? This is a ni'mah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because even kids are rejecting this stuff. She wants to go vomit. Non-religious Muslims knocking on the door of Islamic schools these days. Wallahi, non-religious Muslims. Help, let us in. Get our kids in. Listen, the guy doesn't pray. The woman doesn't care about hijab. And I've been to a mosque for 50 years. Right? No way in hell my kid's going to become a woman. Right? Sinama. It's, it's so bad, it's forced you to jo- join a side. I'm telling you, it's forced them to join a side. But one, th- one thing I want to point out is that these people, ironically, are some of the bravest people. Yeah. And we as Muslims should not, you know, shy away from our faith also. Like, if you're willing to dress as a woman and look like a man in Manahawk in New Jersey... Yeah. I mean, you, you can certainly say you're a Muslim and say what, what you're believing. That's exactly what uh, Haytham 
whatever his name was, said to Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal, when he saw Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal the night before the lashes, he was, uh, 40 lashes was from Imam Ahmed. And he was sitting like this. Now, if you get 40 lashes, we'd be like shaking, right? Imam Ahmed himself was just pensive, right? He was just being pensive. Haytham, this famous criminal of Baghdad, he walks by and he looks. He said, wait, isn't that the famous Ahmed bin Hamad? He said, yeah. He said, oh, how many lashes is he, is he getting? He said, 40. He looked at him, Ahmed, he's like, you're upset? He's like, I, he said, yeah, Ahmed, I have had over 400 lashes for Iblis. You can do 40 for Allah. And Imam Ahmed said, Allah made him speak. And Allah made him cross at that moment. That, see, Imam Ahmed was pensive. Awliya Allah are never pensive and concerned except Allah comes quickly to them. So Allah brought him Haytham to say this word. It almost made him laugh. Imam Ahmed laughed, right? When you laugh, your, your nerves go out, right? Everyone laughed, right? Because it's a hilarious thing. I got 400 for Iblis. You can't take 40 for Allah. It's, it's true and it's funny. And he's like a clown, criminal, right? All of the nerves gone. And Imam Ahmed, when he went for the lashes, he felt the first one and he passed out. And they saw him smiling. While the lashes are happening, smiling. They said, what happened? He said, I got the first lash. By the way, lashes in Sharia are not transatlantic slave trade lashes. First of all, the lash cannot break the skin or bone. Secondly, no shoulder can go into the lash. You know that? You cannot use your shoulder for the lash. You look at the transatlantic shape, they're full hip golf swing into the lash, right? The lash in Islam, you can only use your elbow. You put your arm out like this, it doesn't even hurt, right? This is why the criminals keep going, right? Right? That's it. So that's why they have to find someone big enough to do it. And there's the, the, the thing cannot be a whip. It's got to be almost like a belt, wide belt, not so thick that it breaks your bone and not thin that it breaks your skin. And no shoulder, let alone hip action, in the lash. So you're not lashing like this. You really like be cut up. Can't do that. So it's like this. Boom. Boom. And it's it's enough that you're gonna be limping for about two, three days, and everyone's gonna be laughing at you, and you're not gonna do it again. And all the kids were like, hey, I ain't do I the guy can't even sit down, right? In the masjid. <laughs> it reminds me when uh, Allah told Prophet Ayyub salam that take a hundred um, uh, you know, if hundred wheat stalks, yeah, 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 whatever, yeah. So um, here we go, Muhammad Azhar. What is wilaya? Wilaya is a rank given by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in which you enter His realm of love, and the realm of love of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala means for us a constant and non-stop discovery of His secrets. And that becomes a version of heaven on earth, right? Not heaven on earth necessarily. That means flasks and uh, other things of wine and, and gold. But a heaven on earth in the sense that your fears are constantly immediately allayed all the time. Like you will have anxiety and fear, but they will be allayed immediately. And that's a further sign of divine love. It's, you're constantly in discovery of Allah's mysteries in this world, Right? That's what wilaya is. I am your eyes with which you see, your ears with which you hear. You will never stop discovering. You'll never be bored. That's wilaya, and that's our goal. The famous hadith of wilaya, and I have an article on it uh, that he could look it up. Wilaya, the goal of every believer. Do you have any recommendations for online homeschooling programs? Manar. Yes, legacy is the Islamic online 
all of our friends use it. Legacy. If you want information, you just email me at my personal email, shadi.almasri at gmail.com. I'll send you to the people. I know some board members on Legacy. Aya Levantine, she says, I was reading Surah Tashara and I realized the magicians were saved from being crucified and the sea was split for them along with Musa and those who were with him. So miracles are not only for prophets, not at all. We have Karamat al-Awliya, right? So now, let me say this. Aya was once asking, it seems the Bani Israel are given more favors than this, the Ummah of the Prophet. That's not true at all. No Ummah has been given more blessing than the Ummah of Muhammad Sallallahu and no ummah has been protected from hardship more. What the slaves went through, transatlantic slave trade, what the Jews went through, pogroms in Russia, um, and what Hitler did to them. The Muslims have never faced one-tenth of that. Think about that, right? When the Jews say, don't even dare say what we're doing in Gaza is close to the Holocaust, we say, yeah, Allah would not do that to us, right? This is the ummah of the beloved. Right? There is no, yes, we will have hardship. Bad hardship. Nothing close to that slaughterhouse. Okay? So, yes, we have hardships, but we never have the hardships that, that other nations have. Okay? The fadl, the bounty of this ummah, compare the laws between the two. Compare the certainty. The idea that you don't have certainty that the Torah is actually from Moses. Like that book that Moses received and the Torah that you have now, 50 50. We don't really know. You go to the academics, they don't know. Okay? So, you look at the miracles that have happened and the karamat of the awliya. I have a PDF here, it's called Sifat Safa, we're going to go through it. It's like pages and pages and pages. I can find you today, probably in New Jersey, people who have karamat, al awliya. We can find you awliya anywhere there's Muslims, we can find you awliya. Right? So, I'm telling you that this idea of uh, like every 40 Muslims will have a exactly. every 40 Muslims will have a wali and that wali will not necessarily always be a karama wali but it will be a the wali type of wali of uh, istiqama could it also be argued that uh, as we move ahead technologically and, yeah. uh, from uh, uh, you know I guess you could say a virtual perspective because there's so much that we can develop online and offline you know who knows if we'll be able to build holograms and like later on that the things that we actually see with our eyes mm-hmm. uh, there's going to be other rational explanations which would do away with a lot of the karamat that came in the past yeah whereas and again uh, quoting Sheikh Hamza again I remember he said that one of the uh, that some have argued the greatest karamat of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa were his sahaba yeah and that if you look and there is to come and if you look at the deen and how you mentioned this earlier how every society every culture in the world that takes this deen on yeah thrives and has connective tissue uh-huh. between themselves yeah that is a mercy that regardless of the change in the technology regardless That's better of the change than, in, it's better it's because better. those things can always be explained by uh, physics you know, physics and math and what have you yeah this how do you explain this unless it's completely controlled by the unseen uh, what is the biggest karama that you could say? Someone flying in the air? The Wright brothers did it. Right? It's a big deal. It's not that big of a deal if you think about it from that perspective. Right? And they made a multi-million dollar business off of it. This wali that flew in the air, no one believed him. Right? <laughs> On top of that, if you someone offered you, you're going to fly in the air, you'd have to say no to it. Right? Because 
people think you're crazy. They think you're possessed. No one would want to be friends with you, right? It's better off to be in the flight industry. You can make some money off of it. I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of funny. Right? I'm dating myself here, but if you watch the videos on YouTube, yeah. you and we probably could all relate to this, I guess. We're a little bit older. Maybe you're younger than me. But um, if you see the young people today, just physically what they're able to do, yeah. whether it's athletically, whether it's the people who are doing the uh, – what's it called? Uh, maybe uh, Urban planning? Ryan, no. When they, when they jump across the roof. Oh, para, parkour. Oh, yeah, yeah. These jumpers. Parkour. Parkour, parkour, parkour. yes. Okay. I mean, back in the day – those people, you know, a thousand years ago would have been seen as athletes. They would have been supernatural athletes. Now you're seeing just average people doing the most amazing physical things because yeah. things have changed. The human body has developed. The body has developed. Sneakers have developed. So they're running faster. All like, you compare like a hundred years. Now that we have like a hundred years of Olympic data and stuff like that, they're crushing everything. Right. It's very painful when you look at the old high school yoke brooks, you know. Yeah, when I know. I was back in school. Yeah. You say, okay, look at the athletes now. And you look at the athletes. You ever see like uh, (laughs) basketball players from the 1950s and hockey players? It's like, this an athlete? It looks like you and me, right? Well, that's why I say Chamberlain. Yeah. Most famous baseball player ever, right? Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth. Totally out of shape. Yeah, totally out of shape. (laughs) Or you look at Chamberlain, they say, you know, he scored 100 points, but look who he scored 100 points against. Exactly. (laughs) Plumbers and firefighters, as J.J. Riddick wants to put it. As Nika says, sometimes I make du'a for something, and it happens. But I keep telling myself, it happened because it was Allah's will, not not my du'a. It happened, and Allah has chosen to make it happen through your du'a. Right? It's going to happen either way. Right? But Allah has given you a gift to draw you near to Him and to show you the power of du'a, that He has made it happen through your du'a. Allah is the creator of the means and the ends. And when He creates your du'a as a means, that means I'm going to give you this and I'm going to draw you near and increase your iman at the same time. So you should be very happy when something happens because of your du'a, Allah has inspired your that du'a for you, from you, and created it through your du'a, okay, or by means of your du'a, or as your du'a connected to it, so that your iman would increase, all right, so that you can have deen and dunya at the same time. What's a sign that I'm sincerely asking Allah for something? I really want it. I'm worshiping Allah because I want this thing, but I also love Allah at the same time. What's the sign? Of that, the proof is when you get it, you'll be thankful. If you're sincerely saying, "Listen, I'm only getting up for tahajjud. I want something from Allah." Okay. I mean, sometimes even you know, some of my kids say, well, "Why are you doing this aksra ibadah?" Right? We've never seen you doing this. Person, I say, "I want something from Allah." I just tell them, "I want something from Allah." But what's the difference between that and sort of like being selfish? The proof is number one, Allah accepts selfishness. We don't accept it. If I'll be friends with you, and as soon as your benefit stops, I cut you off. You don't like it. But Allah, He accepts that ibad. But, in other words, I do tahajjud until I get what I want, then I sleep. It's accepted. But it's not good. What's the proof that I am truly have mingled between love of Allah, true love of Allah, and I want something from the dunya? Or, for, for, or, or something in general. Is that when Allah gives it to me, I continue to worship Him out of gratitude. Stop. That's the sign. Can, can you use the answer of a dua as an ishara for something else you want? So for example, and this recently came up, is that a, a baby had an acute problem that needed surgery, surgery acutely, right? Yeah. So we all prayed that Allah grant shifa for this baby, and the baby was fine, and we knew it within 12 hours, right? 
So can you say that a lot? If if you know if, if you save this baby, let this be a good sign for this other person who has a more chronic problem uh, that they'll get shafal. Here's the answer to that question: If you make both dua at the same time, yep. at the same in one package bundle. That's why bundling your dua is good because Allah never takes a bundled dua and says this yes, this no. Mm. Okay. So when a dua is bundled, if it is accepted, the whole thing is accepted. Okay. And so. That with proof of that, Prophet ﷺ had made a du'a. Okay, um, I don't want, and, and I can't even paraphrase it, but um, he made du'a for two things. Okay, then one of them happened. He said, "This is the first thing. Now we await the second thing." Why? Because he bundled his du'a. It was accepted. He made one du'a for two things. They immediately, it was something like shelter and food because they were traveling, right? And he said, "We got the one thing. Now we await the second." That's the concept and the idea. Um, how many salawat and istighfar for a higher chance of du'a? This is a question by Adizman. 300 istighfar a day, if, let's say 100 istighfar a day, and 1,000 salawat a day. That's the way of our path. 1,000 salawat a day, right? Elf salah is found in all the mashayikh, all the awliya. You'll find the same one. Th- where did they get it from? Abdullah bin Masood. Like his thinking has no, no, has no basis. It has a basis from Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. Ibn Qayyim al-Jawziyah says, Ibn Qayyim ibn Mas'ud said, do not let Friday pass without doing a thousand salawat. Well, they started doing that and they said every day of the week. Right? Doctor, okay, so may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, give Adizman, make dua for Adizman, give the tawfiq to do this ibadah. There's nothing better than a thousand salawat a day as a habit. You'll find yourself smoothed over. Your fights at home become like 20... Seconds, not twenty days. Some people their fights because out twenty you win? days, huh? Because you win in twenty seconds. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know if your your nefs just will say, "Khalas, let's make a compromise. Let's make a deal. Uh, let me let it go. Let me be the first to initiate." Right? Khalas, smooth relations, and then you become a person that no one wants to argue with. Right? You become such a smooth person that people, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, some malaika, to bring the two together. So how could you how could you fight with such a a person such a woman? How could you upset such a Muslim? How could you upset such a Muslim man like this? Right? Malaika will do that. Bring these two together. I think I think for married people, mm-hmm. the greatest fear is that your wife is an oliyah of Allah. So just be oh careful. my goodness, that's a problem. It is a problem. Let me tell you something about love. I give you a summary, and I say this all the time because it's important for people to know. The love is of two types of love. There's the type of love that is insijami, which is your natures. Your natures get along. Like we click naturally. That is, this, is a very sweet love, but you don't want to base a lot on it. And you, tr- in truth, you don't need a lot of it. Although it's, it's very sweet when you have it. right? You love to have it. But you don't want to base a lot on it. Second love is a love that, a love that is a supernatural. It comes down from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah says in Surah Ar-Rum, okay? we placed the Sakina amongst you. Okay? And that is when both parties have taqwa. Allah Ta'ala will glue them together. right? Even if they were to wiswas in themselves and say to themselves, I don't get along with this guy. Like his nature is the opposite of mine. That will go away. You will know it in your mind. Our natures are totally different, but we love each other. Why? This is a second type of love. So there's two types of love. right? So the love that you find, if any time two people have taqwa, they're in any situation, marriage, colleagues at work, business, could be husband and father and son, 
mother and daughter, brother and sister, biological, if they both have taqwa, Allah Ta'ala will create a love for them that transcends nature, astrology, like these people say. Some people first think when a guy proposes, are you an Aries? Are you a Leo? Because if you are, then we can't get along. That's all nonsense. It's all nonsense, right? You can't get along 110%. Caitlin says, how do we not get discouraged by circumstances not changing while making continuous dua for something? You don't get discouraged by being practical, okay? Rome wasn't built in a day, as they say, right? The whole earth, Allah could have created by saying, Kun Fekun. He created in six days. And six days, a day in the Allah's sight of Allah is a thousand years. Sayyidina Adam, his body was created, he could have been created on the spot, like Hawa. Hawa was created directly. While Adam was taking a nap, he found a human being next to him. But Adam wasn't created like that, and neither was all the other human beings who were created in nine months. Adam was created over a long period of time. Right? So be practical, be patient. Compare what you're asking for, the value of it, to other things in your life. The value of what you're asking for, is this something worthy of waiting eight years for? Ten years for? Two years for? Or 20 minutes for? Right? Different things. So be practical and be patient. Dua is, you want something to happen in the world. There are prerequisites for things to happen. Right? There's a prerequisite. You want this to happen? There's a prerequisite. Other things have to happen. You got to go? All right. Uh, so has got to do some adulting. Take care, Sohaib. We'll talk about all those other things, inshallah. Safat says, when there is a hadith saying, if you do X, all your previous sins will be forgiven. Should we still doubt that so we don't fall into the yet? You never doubt it, but you doubt, but you, you accuse your sincerity in doing it. Right? But sincerity is also something that's not unknown. I know when I'm being sincere. Right? I know when I'm being sincere and when I'm not being sincere. I asked Habib Omar about this. He said, can a person know he's sincere? He said, yes, but you don't think you're better than others for it. And I know when the action is the sunnah. We, the sunnah is not a mystery. I know the fara'id of salah, the sunnah of salah, I know it. I see it right in front of me. I have eyes. This is in Arabic. It's the same language. There's no, no mysteries here. I know my own heart when I'm being fake and when I'm being sincere. So the question is, we ask that Allah accept it. Right? And we have absolute certainty and you are allowed to have absolute certainty that, wallahi, I was sincere, and I do believe my sins are forgiven. That's, but you just don't think you're better than anyone else, and you don't think, oh, I, I could sin again then. That's haram. Uh, Ryan, anything from Facebook? Because mm. I only got YouTube and Insta here. All right, let's look from Facebook. Facebook's looking not too chatty today. Yeah. Uh, is Islam anti-tax? If so, how are Muslim governments supposed to raise money for infrastructure and welfare projects? Uh, infrastructure and welfare projects. How does a Muslim, Muslim government raise those funds? Um, there are certain things that go straight to the government. Like what? Resources. Right? Natural resources. This is something that goes to the Amir. Right? He, he gained, like Saudi, where do they get their money from? The oil. Right? It goes to them, the government. Uh, these types of like in Turkey they have boron right you studied this in the periodic table uh, it's a it's a it's using gorilla glass there's boron on this here there's boron here Turkey's like the 90% of the boron of the world comes from Turkey 
So they control that. It's government controlled. So resources, natural resources like that, are one of is one of the ways. Um, that's for like roads and stuff like that. You can tax. You can put, for example, if you get, if you build a road, I think that tolls is acceptable, right? Like we built this road. There's a debt to it. We owe the company. How are the company going to pay? Right for that. So there are those uh, are ways for them to earn money. The government can earn money like that. Can the can governments open businesses? That's a good question. Why not? Right. I mean, there's all these partnerships between government and business. Yeah. They, you know, somebody has to fund research and all that exactly. sort of stuff. So. So if I'm king, if I'm sultan, and we got some boron. And we take the boron and we invest it. Allah Adam, I have to double check on, like, to, but we know for sure that governments are always involved in private business. But also, like, if you if you were to buy a property mm-hmm. someplace, right? So that property needs to be registered, right? So the the country can charge whatever they want to charge. Like, if you're buying a million dollar home, yeah. they can say, well, you have to pay, you know, ten thousand dollars to uh, to register this property. Well, there's going to be tax uh, tax tasks uh, tasks involved. Right in everything that you do, human beings are going to do those tasks. They got to get paid, so that's how you're going to get paid. Uh, we can put taxation for, as we said, police and military. Now, what about healthcare? Healthcare should be a people's endowment. The people have to have an endowment for that. The government cannot take Dr. Harris's money to give medicine to John Smith. Cannot do that. Now, uh, what about luxury taxes? There is permissibility for luxury tax. Let's say, do you need a private jet? You don't need a private jet, right? Why do you need a private jet? Who are you to need a private jet? 29% tax. Oh, it's crazy, right? But hey, listen, if you can afford a private jet, 29% and that goes for healthcare or for roads or whatever like that. You're allowed to do that. Airports. Because it's a, you know, I'm not taking money from your pocket. It's your choice to buy something you don't need. And there could be a scale of luxury tax. For example, um, what, what's the what's the Mercedes that's like a big hoopty? It's like the, the SL. Oh, the Maybach. Maybach, right? <laughs> you don't need a Maybach, right? <laughs> It'll put like eleven percent tax on. Well, that. five seven. We need Maybachs. Yeah, right. <laughs> what about um, a yacht? You really need a yacht? All right, let's find your first yacht. Fine. Second yacht, you're paying. Right? Uh, helicopter. All that stuff. Uh, watch for twenty grand. You're paying taxes on that because you don't. You can tell the time with less than that. So things like that, you're allowed to do. Give us a dua or dhikr to overcome this state. Several years of this dog chasing us. For procrastinator at work. Procra- yeah, procrastinator. Oh, I hate when this happens. When I scroll, my finger refreshes the whole feed. And now I can't see what anybody said. Instagram, yeah. Let me take a look. Read, read to me everything after procrastinator at work. But the procrastinator at work... You have to believe in the Qudra of Allah. Any verse that states Allah's Qudra over things, you have to stay, stick with that. Right? Stick with the verse of Allah's power if you have an addiction. Because that's really where shaitan wants to get you. He wants to make you have doubt. Okay. Best way, Abdul Hadi says, to advise a Muslim of the opposite gender to not attend the prom. If she is not your sister, then you don't really have business. Go and give her nasiha. Right? If she's your sister, then you can give her nasiha. Okay? And the nasiha you give her is 
Haram. Right? Allah says in the Quran, don't look at them. Don't look at the opposite gender. That's a default. So sometimes the Nasiha is really simple. It's haram. <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, we Pakistani have superheroic concepts of wali, like ultra powerful. Okay. But most of the khankas are empty of these karamati awliya. The greatest karama Muhammad Azhar is istiqama on the deen and sweetness of iman. It's really the best karama. And spreading that to others. I remember I was reading a book of assistance from Imam al-Haddad and then there was a chapter of uh, Yaqeen. He quoted uh, Ali, Ali he said like if the veils, all the veils were to be lifted mm-hmm. from Allah, he wouldn't grow any man even a bit. Yeah, subhanAllah. Is he, that's it. Uh, the thing is, you know what I love? I love seeing a sheikh and then looking at his kids and his family and they love the deen. That to me is the greatest of all karamat. What else can you want? Right? Hajar Mahmood, what is the fine line between accepting qadr, being disheartened when a dua isn't immediately answered, between persisting in dua? Sabr. The answer is sabr. Be patient. Okay? As long as the thing is possible, be patient. That's what the Prophet said. This is not my words, it's the words of the Messenger. You will get your istijaba as long as you don't rush. And rushing means you give up. They asked, Oh, Mazrullah, what is, what is rushing? Rushing means you stop making dua. I said, I made dua and I'll let an answer. So who stopped? You stopped. Okay? As long as you don't stop, you have to have patience though. Okay? Isn't Allah been very patient with our sins for like decades? Aisha Mukhtar, how do we reconcile the verse about Allah does not burden a soul beyond this capacity and people who lose their minds from severe tests? Excellent question. And the answer is, when Allah says this, what he means is Sharia does not burden you more than you commit. Sharia does not tell you to pray when you're in a coma. Right? Sharia does not tell you fast when you're sick. But human beings can fall in situations that are greater than them. You can put a guy in jail and he goes crazy. You can put a woman in a mental hospital, right? She's going to go crazy. And you can oppress a man to the point that he has a nervous breakdown. A tree could fall upon a guy, he dies. So he was burdened with something he physically could not bear, right? So you can be burdened with something you can't bear. The, what the verse is that Allah's sharia will not burden you what you can't bear. That's what it means. Nobody can say, oh, I cannot bear not to look at women. No, you can. You can train yourself to that. The problem is other people's free will gets in the way. Yeah. The Uyghurs in in China. Of course. Other people's free will can burden you. But Allah's law does not burden you more than you can bear. You can always bear Allah's law. Stark Fire says, if something doesn't go your way, like a relationship, how do you know if it was due to nazar? Nazar. Hasad. Jinn. That's beyond me, to be honest with you. But go to advisors. Sometimes there is hasad, right? Sometimes there is. But to be honest with you, it's an unseen thing. So battle the unseen with unseen. Battle that with dhikr and dua and don't think too much about it. You can't have this idea that there's this thing coming and it's getting us. But what's the proof? We don't really know. You can't win. So there's, just don't even think about that. Really, don't even think about it. Do your adhkar of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and go out and, and, and get advice from people, right? And, and change your behavior. 
Anzi Jamaa, what is the best way to obtain forgiveness from people? Not sure where they are. Or perhaps I might not be aware and prevent any oppression upon others. I'm scared to be asked now on the Day of Judgment. If you oppress someone and that person is gone from your life and you don't know where they are, you make dua for them. That's how you make up the oppression. You make dua. It happens. Uh, a man came to Ibn Abbas. He said, I, I killed. He said, then go pay the dia to the family. He said, I don't know who the family is. He said, make dua for the man. He said, I don't know his name. I was a stranger in the desert. He was a stranger in the desert. We talked a little bit. I killed him. They had a fight. I killed him. I don't know his name. I don't know where he's from. I don't know anything about him. So then, so how do I wash it away from my heart? He said, go be good to your mom. So sometimes there is a point where you can't, nothing you can do. Make dua for the person, right? All right, let's go to the question. Ryan, who, what, read me the question that's after. I lost it. I could, I could try to find it, but there's Instagram pumping with the comments. Pumping with comments, Okay. Caitlin Johem, if part of your du'a is accepted, is it safe to assume the rest is coming too? If it was the same du'a, you should. Like, oh, I made one du'a, and then that was accepted. I, it could be many signs that show you me that was accepted. You should believe the whole package will be accepted. Allah does not take some of the du'a and, and re- reject some. It's not that. That's not the action of the of the generous. Just say wow with every du'a, you know, the yeah. connector wow. Yeah, that's true. The whole du'a in one setting. <laughs> Dana 2020 says, ever since childhood, I had a different relationship with my mother. I now reach a point where I don't feel it's salvageable. Will this cause Allah to block my du'as and prayers and blessings? It depends on how you feel about it and what you're doing about it. So the past is the past, but you have the present. There's no such thing as not salvageable. Allah is capable of all things. You just take the step and trust in Allah. So it's all about how you feel about it and how you act upon it. Okay? Go in with Iman and do it as best as you can with your own judgment. Right? And get advice from people too. Mrs. Fat Path Taqwa. All right? Uh, Allah's mercy is bigger than his punishment, so Allah will give us a chance to repent. Always. I probably butchered the name. It's Mrs. Fatub Path. Oh, Fatub. Fatub, the verb, repent. Fatub, path to taqwa. Okay, good. Nice name. Safa, what if we made a dua for something that was related to something else, and while making dua, it was intended as a bundle? Allah accepted the first one, does it mean accept? Yes. When you make a dua, that's why we make a dua in a bundle. Okay? Allah is more generous than to accept part and reject part. Other than doing Prophet Musa dua for a wife, what dhikr? Do you also recommend? Do that dua. Do the dua of Musa. With ikhlas, this is all you need. But any and all dua you should do. Okay? Any and all dua. Sarkodi. Maybe the second thing is not good for you, so it's not being given to you. Maybe you're not. Uh, you don't know any of that. I don't, but you prayed for it. You want it. You should believe that your Allah is going to give it to you. Be patient. Okay. Don't second guess and say maybe it's good. Maybe it's very good for you. Maybe it's not good for you. Maybe it's very good. How do you know? You don't know any more than I know. Allah has said, take this out of the equation. That's for Allah to decide, not for you. What's for me to decide? Pray to Allah while certainty with the answer, and make istikhara. Oh Allah, if this is something good for me, make it clear to me. If it's bad, I'm, I want it. 
if it's good, make it clear. If it's bad, close the doors. Okay. Tanya Zelina, what do you do with a sibling who doesn't like you and has been jealous of you since young? You try to avoid any situation where they would increase in jealousy. That's the first thing. And you um, make dua that Allah removes the hasid from his heart. Sometimes people hate you, right? And you can't do anything about it. You make dua that Allah cools their heart, just as Allah cooled the fire of Ibrahim. Aznika, is polygamy recommended in Islam? Sometimes it is recommended. Why? When the society needs it. Like there are societies today, non-Muslim societies, that are polygamous, very polygamous in Africa. Christians. In Utah. In Utah, right? In Africa, in these societies, and I have direct evidence of this from a testimony from a brother. He's blind. He's a Canadian convert. He married an African. She was from a Christian convert. She's a convert too. She's an African convert from Christianity. The whole tribe is Christian in Ethiopia, Habesha. And there, they mocked the man they look down on the man he marries one wife. Why? There's a lot of women need protection, right? Need a husband, need a household. Okay? So we here, we look down on it, and it would be caused so much fitting if someone did it in the society. And someone says, well, we need to do it. So listen, here's my take on it. And this is why, and they say, well, would you allow your daughter to have a polygamous marriage? I said, no, I wouldn't allow it. I'll tell you why I won't allow it. And I 100% know my shiuch, my, they, many of them have multiple wives and their daughters and their moms. And then you come here to me, I said, I'll tell you why I won't allow it. Because we have no reference point of what to do when things go wrong. And I'm not going to use her as an experiment. Right? So, all these people, they don't allow polygamous marriage. They're, not, they're against the sharia. Guys come up when they say they want a second wife and the father-in-law is going crazy, the girl is going crazy. There is no reference point for this in our society, in New Jersey. Because when one of those, let's say a woman at Hadramaut, she says to her father, Oh, father, my husband's taking a second wife. Stop this. Said, what? Do you see your mom? You see your sister? You see your aunt? They're all second and third and one and, and first and fourth. They're all, it's all societies. It's, all, it's in the society, right? So there's reference points for our mental and emotional adjustment of this. There is no such reference point here. Why would I experiment? Right? Why would he be part of experiment? You want to do it? Fine. I'm not saying it's zina. But don't get me involved in your experiment of polygamy in middle class central Jersey. Okay? You can see the results in certain communities that have tried this in the last... Oh my God. The, the fruits of that experiment are not... Thank you very much. When I got to New Haven, it became a fad. Someone came up with this fad in New Haven. When I got to New Haven, the masjid was dead. Dead. So... The president of the mosque, he explained to me what happened. He's like, we just got out of a fitna. He's like, what's a fitna? He's like, a one to two year fitna that decimated the community. What was the issue? We bought an imam. This imam introduced this fad of basically mail-in import wives from Morocco. Okay? Go down to Morocco. Literally became like, literally like an Amazon shipment of women just want to get out of Morocco. Uh, doesn't care if they're in New Haven or not. And so you had all of a sudden these guys taking second wives. And it, the small community, six, seven guys did this. Took second wife from Morocco. Okay. From these women, amongst them, there were people who left Islam. 
father of Quran saw their mom saw this fitna, they broke completely, right? Broke completely, right? It didn't work. It was really bad. Now, can you tell me that there's a, a situation where it did work? I'm sure you can. I have. I had another friend. He has two wives. I have a couple of friends that have two wives. It works. That's good. But they're not necessarily from our part of the community that I could say to people, hey, look, so-and-so has two wives. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that he has two, two wives. It's working, but it's not something out in the open that's that's clear to everybody and can be pointed to. I don't even know if I'm allowed just, to just say Just tell my wife it's not me, though. <laughs> it's not Harris Amin, by the way. <laughs> so what I'm saying is that uh, as long there's no reference point, let them create, if, if they're bold enough, and they're successful in creating the reference point and creating good examples, let's see it. When it's 95% a good example and it's norm and it's successful, then fine, right? But until that happens, and that's going to take a couple of decades, it's not going to happen overnight. So we would be dead and our grandkids will be alive when that happens. So let them deal with it. But I need to see a reference point for an action, even if it's halal. Okay. Uh, guess there are how to fit a thousand salawat a day. What's efficient? Two hundred per salah. A thousand salawat a day. If you say Allahumma salli wa sallim alayhi, is not necessarily long. Allahumma salli wa sallim. You do your first salah. You mention the name of the Prophet. Then you use the pronoun after that. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Then Allahumma salli alayhi for the rest. Ten minutes. What you watch on a YouTube video, right, is longer. Average YouTube video is longer than that. Why has missing Salat al-Asr intentionally got a grave punishment? Missing all the Salah is grave. And why is it the only Salah in the Quran mentioned not to miss? No, all of them. But Asr is one of those that's in the thick of the day. That's why. Asr is in the thick of the workday, the commute, whatever. Uh, and so it's more likely to be missed. Okay, Caitlin says, you said close the doors with istikhara, but how do you reconcile that with begging Allah to make a thing good for you? Keep going. Um, when I say close the doors, I mean something physically is closed. Oh Allah, keep my grandma alive, she dies. Right? Like that's what I mean by that. But as long as it is rationally possible, there is nothing stopping you from making dua. Annie says, Interest mortgages, haram, yes. How do I go about purchasing a halom in a halal way? Well, you have to use as much as there's critique of them. The contract, nonetheless, is halal for you. The uh, universal UIF and guidance. Yeah, at least put it on the muftis that permitted it. Is dala al-khairat good? Not good. Excellent. Maliki opinion on kafarat salat al-dunub. It is no such specific salah, but in general you pray two rakas with the intent that your sins are forgiven. Local rich guy is married to two women and takes care of them a lot. Get rich then. Anzi Jama, I am from African community with polygamy. Broken, lustful reasons, second, third, fourth, no reference points. Let us have the first marriage to be stabilized first. 100% agree, right? Well, that's, that's what she's seeing, Okay. It's not, I don't want, I'm not going to get into the weeds of theory. I'm going to get into the weeds of results. Scoreboards. Give me the scoreboard, right? How are the kids turning out? Hey, kids of second and third marriages, come so we can talk to you. All right? Hey, wives, come and talk to the community and tell us your experience. 
if it's something that's going to be normal, that I'm going to put my own daughter in, that's what I'm going to do. And I want to see it in front of me. Okay. And it's not something I want to even research. I want it to be so out in the open that it's like not even a discussion. Okay. Like a stranger booking his next flight to Africa. <laughs> booking the next flight to Ethiopia. Bro, you know why that they're upset with Sharia in there in those 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 women? Why they're upset with the Sharia? Limits to four. The women say that this is not merciful. The man should be able to take care of ten and fifteen and twenty women, right? That's what a man does. He takes care of fifteen. So now if our husband becomes Muslim, he's gonna divorce six of us? And keep four only? This is not merciful. That's their perspective on things. I can't remember his name. He's blind. He's on Twitter. He's from Canada. I wish I'd have him on the podcast. He's a hilarious guy, right? And he's a great guy. What is a fitna in community? Fitna in community is what breaks up the community and what causes people, Iman, to go down and relationships to be broken up. Some people say Khadija was 28 and not 40. This is the second time Someone brought it up. Kim brought it up yesterday. As Nika brought it up today. I don't understand where this is coming from. So Yasser Qadi had a thing about this. Uh, it was several years ago that he had an episode on this. And um, I don't know exactly where it comes from, but there is some thing. You know, one thought is that, look, if she was 40 and she had seven children after that, it's very unlikely for a woman to get pregnant seven times after the age of 40. So there was, there's these sort of... Unlikely you know, on what things. standards? Uh, today's standards. It's also, girls get married at six, nine years old. So, bodies were different back then. Muzammil Khan says, please explain the total hadith whose last phrase is, كَيْفَتَكُوا فِي وَفِيمَا تُرِيدُ كُنْ كَمَا أُرِيدُ Okay. تَقُولُ لِشَيْءِ كُنْ فَيْكُنْ Is that what you mean? Or, فِيمَا تُرِيدُ what is he saying? Which one is that? Like if you if you don't have any shame, do what you will. Oh, uh, I think what he's saying is there's a hadith that says, um, uh, "Desire what you want, I will desire what I want. Nothing will happen except what I want." It's a hadith qudsi. Allah, I can't remember. It's it's stronger, weak, but it's a hadith qudsi that says, "Oh, human being, you desire what you want. I desire what I want. Nothing will happen except what I want." Right, desire what I want, I will give you what you want. The hadith, the general teaching of the hadith is, don't try to go up against Allah. Submit to Allah, you will get your way afterwards. And the, what is the actual reality of this? When you constantly submit yourself to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in your outward actions by fiqh, by aqidah, by nawafid, by everything, your nature will change. Your nature will change to the point that you will start desiring what's written for you. And therefore, your lived experience will be whatever you want happens. That's what happens. Someone's cooking. Do you smell that? Ali Mama says, Assalamu alaikum. May Allah bless the Fiend inside in the work that just thank you so much. We need your dua. Khadija was a businesswoman. Some say she did not trade in person. Of course, yes, she inher- either inherited or had work in some way, had money through inheritance or something, and then she employed people to, to work to sell with that money. She did not go around haggling, and then she did not sit at the head of a board tape meeting and say, 
Muhammad, you do this. But astaghfirullah you people who are blaspheming yourselves, right? And putting yourself in such a situation just to please the West, right? And Western culture. That's not what happened at all. There's not even one narration close to that. She was a noble woman who had money. That's all you know. You did not know that she went around and ha- bossing around people like some boss woman and that's what you're trying to produce. And, and Allah loved her for supporting the Prophet. SubhanAllah. Her nobility is her support to the Messenger. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Unbelievable, these people. What is the authenticity behind Salat al-Tasbih? It's recommended in all four madhabs. That's from Mustafa VX. Am I right? Says the saying Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam count as an entire Jarud. Yes. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Salah and Assalam and the pronoun of the Prophet. Can a man divorce with no valid reason in Islam? Yes, he can. Right? He can. Divorce with no valid reason. Does that mean the effect will be good? No. The effect on on, on family, community, and children will be terrible. Again, he's halal. Those, look at those communities with polygamy. Yeah. Same thing. Swapping out. The halal may not always be wise. It's halal for me right now to say, you know what? I don't want to give dawah anymore. I don't want to be married anymore. Right? All that's halal. I've incurred no sin with Allah. However, I have incurred all of the bad effects of the pain that I caused to people. That I have incurred. I've incurred all the trauma that I've caused to my kids. Is there many types of ijma' and if so, why so many? There, yeah, there are different types of ijma'. There's the ijma' of the Sahaba, that's the highest ijma'. There's the ijma' that is that came later on because of a fitna. That's different from the ijma' of others. Right? So there are levels of ijma' and all of them are law, but there are different levels of, of our reaction to someone contradicting that law. So the contradictor of that law may be in Ahl-Sunnah and outside Ahl-Sunnah, depending. How do you build unwavering yaqeen in dua? Increase your iman by reciting the Qur'an often and avoiding sins, praying in the night. Increase your iman. Then when Allah says, O my abd, call me, I give you. When the Prophet says, call upon Allah while certain in the answer. Those promises of Allah, they will settle in your heart because the sins have been removed, the soil has been cleaned. It will settle in the heart and you will accept it. So if my belief in Allah's promises wavers, I go make wudu, I committed sins. Astaghfirullah Start reciting Quran to wash away those sins. Then I look up and all of a sudden the promises of Allah have settled again in my heart. And that's what we all do. That's all how we all have to be. The promise of Allah, let it settle in your heart. Like a stranger says, my son, since he was about five, he wants 16 kids. He wants to play baseball. He has no one to play baseball with. He needs two teams, right? He's 18. Polygamy might be a necessity. His mother approves, alhamdulillah. They're accepting it. Okay? As Nika, if you have a halal action and part of the reason you're doing it has a haram element, as Nika, I need an example. Like what? Like, for example, um, opening a restaurant. I want to open a restaurant. But some of the things I sell is haram. No, the whole thing. You can't do that. What does the Prophet mean by obeying one's husband? In the Sharia, 
husband has obligation to protect his wife and his kids. How can he protect you if he doesn't know where you are? Got to know where you are, right? Oh, the feminists. What do I care about you? Your life stink. I'm not basing an example. Like again, get me out of the weeds of theory. Let's look at the results. You want to live like that? You want to live like that? On antidepressants, being a professor in some university, gave up on life, right? Look at you. Okay? So I don't want that example. Let's just look at what our sunnah and our history is. The man, you have to protect your family. It's your job. If there's a thief comes in this door, we don't go 50-50. We go 100% me, right? If a guy says something to your wife, right? Do you say, oh, hey, Habibti, he just said, aren't you hot in that hijab? Right? Or he just commented on your body? Go defend yourself. (laughs) Is that what you do? Or is, is it go like, did you just hear what that guy said to me? Right? And then you go and do something, right? Get all Ottoman on him. Uh, or I say, uh, wait a second. Uh, what did he, no, I didn't hear what he said. What did he say? He said, oh, you look this, that, or the other. I said, well, let's have Hasnadhan. <laughs> right? Maybe you didn't hear him right. Right? Have 73 excuses. No, you go and you pick a fight. Okay? You go pick a fight. Yeah, I love doing this. Because when that happens, I know what I'm getting. Right? I'm going to get like, that could last me like a good six months, right? <laughs> okay? I love when this happens. And it's happened many times. So if you're the protector, you have the right to know where she is. I have, you, there's no such thing as, hey, hey, listen, I'm uh, taking a flight and I'm taking three days off. What do you mean three days off? Where, where? We have rules on this in the Sharia, right? How, what happens if something happens there? So, but if it's something like, oh, my grandfather died, I got to go. Yeah, fine. I, I, have, uh, I got a disease. I got to go book a ticket and, and go my old my doctor. Fine, hold on. My father's dying. Okay. But there's, when we talk about the obedience, that's the main thing. How can I protect you letting people in the house that I don't know about? So the idea of the neighbor coming over like um, desperate housewives to drink coffee in the morning, no, that's not going to happen, right? I'm not there. I can, what if he aggresses upon you? So that's one of the main, what's, that's one of the main things. All right, who is the brother that is my direct testimony? If you don't believe me about Ethiopia, what I said about having 10 and 20 wives, his name is Abu, Hafs, uh, Abu Hafsa Abdul Malik Claire. And he's on Twitter. Go find him. Right? I love this brother. Is he the same brother that does the Braille? For, uh, the yeah, Braille Quran, Quran, yeah. Sarkodi says, if you don't know what's bad for you in terms of dua, then when do we know when to stop? You don't assess right and wrong and good and bad. You don't know the future. So simply assess that you want something. Oh, Allah, I'm presenting this. I pray istikhara. Make it easy for me or make it hard for me. Right? If you want it, go get it. Keep it simple. Why are you bringing divine knowledge and unseen? Right? If you want it, go get it. If it's if you're pious, Allah will not allow you through dua to get something bad for you. He will simply not allow it. He'll turn your heart away from it. Simple as that. But you don't get yourself involved in those questions. Uh, For what reasons can a woman divorce in Islam? First of all, a woman can ask for a divorce for no reason, but she has to buy out her divorce. Well, why? Well, didn't she take a dowry to get in the marriage? We obligated the man, pay her a dowry. What's the dowry in Islam? A woman. It's whatever you agree on. She says, $5,000? No. 
I'm not marrying this guy unless he gives me $25,000. You have the full right to name your price. Now you want to get out of the marriage? He names his price, right? That's how it works. It's called khula. Hey, listen, you're, you're a good guy. I'm not in the mood anymore. I can't fulfill your rights. I don't love you anymore. Why? You gained weight. You didn't turn out to be who I expected. We don't have any kids. I think I'd rather move on. Hey, I'm really upset about this. Okay, well, listen, she doesn't like you anymore. You gave a dowry to get into this marriage. Now you ha- he gets the chance to now name his price to get out of the marriage. And you agree on that price. That's called the khula. You pay, pay the guy, have your dad pay the guy, and move on with life. So it's not it's necessarily the same dowry that he paid in? Not necessarily, okay. no. It's not necessarily the same dowry that he that, that paid to get in. Because things have changed, right? Five years passed, maybe they're different now. Inflation. Yeah, inflation has changed. Um, and also what he's content with may be different. Maybe we were both poor when we started. 5,000 was a lot. We got really rich. 5,000 is not. There's nothing for me. It doesn't pay my bills. So that's called khula. But if the man abused the woman in any way, shape, or form, or leaves Islam, or becomes some mubtada, even to the point that he ignores her. This is what Sheikh Rami says all the time. The least, it's not his fatwa, it's from the books of the Maliki Madhab. The least is that he, she calls his name, he ignores her. So as you're, uh, when you have a, a, someone who is like in your care, you're obligated to pay attention to them. You're obligated, it's part of the deal. So he doesn't take care of her, he doesn't listen to her, he ignores her. She has the right to say, uh, he ignores me, and a judge can divorce them without her having to pay a penny. And in the absence of a judge, an imam can do that. It is possible for a right Now, we, we, we won't do it as an imam, but we will do it as a counsel, just to make sure that none of us are getting clouded by the emotion of the situation. And we do want to form a counsel, Sheikh Rami and I, Harun. We want to form this type of counsel, that we would pronounce these divorces. But it'll go through all of our minds so that our mind's not clouded. And, and, and it's not something that, it's just we just talked about it. We didn't even make a council like that. Right? But we just talked about it. Okay. All right. So we got here. If I fight with Hanafis in a nice way, no, debate is fine, but not fighting. No, debate is fine, but that's it. But remember, we are all, we have, subhanAllah, enemies. And the madhahib within themselves should not take themselves as enemies. Allah said, take uh, Iblis as an enemy. Take the enemies of Islam as an enemy. You could take it as differed upon. We differ, that's it. Alright, Hajra says, Is it bad adab in dua to say, Ya Allah, I'm tired. Or to be saddened by the state of things while asking. No, it's not. You're allowed to complain to Allah. Will a Christian muwahid go to heaven? Not if he heard about the Prophet and rejected him. Who said that? The Prophet himself. No Jew or Christian hears about me, okay, and rejects me, except that he is in the Jahannam, is in the fire. So, not accepted. Sheikh Osman, who does dawah in a park in America, who went through the evidence for Khadija's age. Okay, see, he discovered that all of the books of the seerah of the past were wrong. Okay, good for him. Anyway, bring your evidence. Why is income tax haram? Abdul Hadi says. Income tax is haram because you cannot take people's money 
by the way, income tax is not even legal. You know that? Yeah, no, I know. Not that. even on the books in America. It's just a practice. Uh, you're not allowed to take people's money just because you're the sultan. Simple as that. Nimra says, I think the reason why women get upset with obey your husband is that it's been severely misused. Yeah. See, I don't come from a culture that has that, to be honest with you. Egyptians did not have this. Egyptians, Egyptian marriages is musharaka. In most, unless you go down to the, to the farmlands or the Bedouin. But general Egyptian culture, the marriage is a musharaka, right? In many things, like furnishing the home, financially even, it's a musharaka culture. And that's what I've seen growing up. But if it's abused, then that's the problem, obviously. Obeying the husband in the Sharia has to do with knowing your whereabouts so he can protect you. Um, and it's all by bin ma'roof in a way that it's prom- promoting the general well-being and happiness of everybody. That's the purpose of these things. Promoting the well-being. That's what it's for. If it's making someone miserable, it's not being applied properly. Because Allah says in the Quran, marriage is sakina. So if your heart's not settled in marriage, someone's doing something wrong. That's how it is. Okay. I have a growing interest in learning the Ash'ari Aqidah, but an acquaintance told me it's not from the Salaf, and that the closest understanding is the Athari Aqidah. How do I deal with this? And what's the truth? This is all answered in the book that I wrote on this subject called Key to Paradise that you can get at SafinaPress.com. Safina Press. Rai, could you kindly type that in for this individual? Okay. SafinaPress.com showing you that they're actually answering questions that didn't exist in the time of the Salaf. That's why there's things in the Aqidah that are drawn from the Quran and Sunnah to answer questions that never happened at the time of the Salaf. That's why. Same with fiqh. Open any of these fiqh books. Shafi, Hanbali, fiqh. Half of it, this stuff didn't exist in the time of the Sahaba, right? These questions and answers that didn't exist in the time of the Sahaba. So that's why. It's like saying, I want to go back to the 50s because the understanding of computers was more pure. SubhanAllah. <laughs> exactly. In Aqidah and Fiqh, there is new questions all the time from the outside society, so the scholars have to answer those questions, and that becomes law, right? If it, that, the answer has a basis in Quran and Sunnah. But to say that just because that, that, that fatwa didn't exist at that time, in the time of the Salaf, is a nonsensical statement because the methodology of the Salaf is they would have come up with an answer. Sayyidina Omar has many fatwa. There are many things in Islamic law. It's nothing other than the public fatwa of Omar ibn Khattab. The Sahaba agreed to it, ijma', and it's law. Law. Like what? If a man does li'an, accuses his wife of zina, he can never marry her again. Where did that come from? Omar. Sayyidina Omar. His, his, his judgment, his intuition said that. He, he pronounced it as a fatwa and as a law because he is the khalifa, so all such judges are not to conduct such a marriage, again, so it's law, physically in the world it's law, and the sahaba heard it, they accepted it, so it's ijma'ah. So, how to respond to being called a mubtada after being tested with Rabia al-Madkhali? You talking about Rabia al-Madkhali? If they call you a mubtada, you, chances are you're on the right track. Badge of honor. <laughs> yeah, it's a badge of honor. You, you want, yani, he's constantly calling everyone is he still alive even Hiba says I missed about Salat Tasbih I've said it's recommended Mandub in all four methods okay and Zika says or as Nika says what does it mean for etiquette Muslim women should follow in the workplace 
the etiquette of men and women is that we don't look at a person with desire. We don't do khalwa with them. We don't go to alcoholic uh, uh, you know, uh, gatherings with alcohol in them. We don't trade in what is haram. We don't um, you know, have extra work-related communications by tests, mobile devices, etc., etc. Um, we dress appropriately. We don't say, oh, it's because the workplace, so we have to just dress a different way. No. Right. Metrosexuals. You see these guys? The suit is... Why would you dress? Just spray paint yourself. The suit is spray painted on, right? The clothes is... The suit is now made with elastic, like sweatpants, like yoga pants. You can't pray suit. in those clothes. You cannot pray. They'd be t- ripped, right, if you make sajda. So all of that's haram for the men and for the women, Right? You know, they said, uh, some guy said, uh, some sisters once asked, why is it a woman cannot pray when she's menstruating? Right? It's, is, it's because blood is nudges, right? If you get a cut and the blood is flowing, you can't pray, right? It's blood is nudges. Anyway, Allah's giving you a breather because he knows it's painful. Take the breather. And you don't even have to make it up. I mean, <laughs> why is it that you, some of the women, I'm telling you, the West is driving this. Why would you want the ruling of a man? Right? Where'd you get that? I don't see men saying, hey, listen, uh, I, why do I, can't I get a festival for, for not praying for six days? Hey, um, emotionally, my emotions are whatever. Or my blood pressure is high, so make qiyas with hayyads and therefore not pray. I've always wondered why is it that they're running after, like, fairness is to be like a man. Like, that's, that's feminism. Yeah, like I don't. The, the yardstick is, is the male example. Yeah, the yardstick is the male example. Why would you want that? Yes, okay, go be a garbage man, right? Go to jail like a man. Hey, the numbers in jails is predominantly men. Has anyone addressed this so that the cops start uh, for the sake of equality? Frisking women. Start frisking women. Start arresting women. In the same way that we got diversity employment, we're going to favor BIPOC, right? Whatever people of color. Whatever it is, right? Oh, okay, fair enough. I do get there's discrimination, but they're openly saying to diversify, we're going to favor minorities in high rank. No one has a problem with that. But hey, listen, the jails and the garbage uh, collectors, these industries are all men. Oil and gas. Oil and gas. Go to a gas station. I don't see diversity. Let's chime for diversity in the gas station. road crews on the Jersey Turnpike? Yeah, road crews at two in the morning. On the turnpike, nastiest job you're ever going to get. How about the military? Who's dying in the military? Let's call for equality in these things. You shouldn't want equality. You should we have Alhamdulillah, Adin? Allah has given us the virtue of both. Okay, they're different, but they're equal in the sight of Allah. Yeah, they are equal in the sight of Allah, right? In their virtue, uh, the Habayib say that there was a time in Syria where the spiritual Axis of Shem was a woman, right? Proves to us that it truly is equal. I don't know if you mentioned it because I was doing some chat stuff. Yeah, but um, it's like <clears throat> I feel like it comes from the mindset. People think that the prayer is like what is giving you the reward. Subhanallah, beautiful thing Ryan said, and it comes from an. It's, it, it's not the prayer that's giving you the reward. It's the obedience of Allah that gives you the reward. That means we get rewarded when we obey. The idea of not praying at certain times. Let's say, I wanted to pray istikhara, but it's the makruh time. 
I have to wait. You get rewarded for that. Got it. Um, All right, we have a question over here. Yeah. Maybe we should hit this one. Someone is saying they have a, a revert, revert, convert spouse struggling with Iman. They need some words of uh, encouragement or advice. A revert stru- spouse struggling with Iman. I think he's watching too. And he's watching too. Read stories of the prophets and read the Quran with with tadabbur, with with contemplation and keep good company. Right? A man once came to a sheikh and he said, when I'm in this gathering, my iman is really strong. As soon as I go home, it goes down. It's because you're probably keeping bad company. They're, they're, the company that you keep, the influences that come to you outside of that gathering, pull you down. Right? Just like being in a warm environment and a cold environment. But a man once, a boy said that he was full of himma. Himma means energy and inspiration to, to, to learn and to have iman. And then he said, oh, Sheikh, it's dropping. He said, recite the Qur'an, read the Qur'an with contemplation, and read stories of the prophets with contemplation. Okay? That will enter, put light in your heart, and you'll move forward. And Allah knows best. How do you build a high opinion of Allah? Is by nonstop reading of the hadiths of His promises. And you can also, you, in order to accept the promises of Allah, you need your heart to be clean. So clear it out with wudu, with, with uh, recitation of Qur'an, etc. I have this unrealistic dua that I keep making. As long as it's rationally, as long as it's a rational possibility, a rational possibility. Like, are you trying to negate gravity, go, back, go into the past? As long as it's rationally possible, right? It's not contradicting itself, nor contradicting nature, for example then what is unrealistic? To whom? It's unrealistic to you and to other people, but it's not impossible for Allah. So you have to remember the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and you have nothing to lose by keep going. You have something to lose by giving up, but you have absolutely nothing to lose by just keeping going. Right? Try to free your mind, says, and this is going to be one of our last questions. Is there a difference of opinion regarding the authenticity of the hadith of Salat al-Tasbih? There's some discussion on it, but all the madhabs have concluded that it's a sunnah. How do I... Um, okay, Sarkodi wants to give dawah. How do you give dawah? Study, study from the right sources and make the intention to benefit people. That's it. Make the intention, I want to benefit people. No matter who they are, no matter where I am, I want to benefit people. That's where you, that's that's how you do it. Simple as that. Study from the right sources, study a lot, and ask a lot to clean your heart. And you have to have love for the dean, love for the dean, and you want to spread it. That's it. That intention and that goal, you'll learn skills. It will force you to learn certain skills. It'll force you, right? Because you want to see the result. It'll force you to get better at things. That's how it works. That's how you give doubt. Question from a brother. She, he has a choleric wife. Explain. Can he play with her emotions of the love of authority to balance her out in the house? Explain. Choleric wife. Does that mean she's... This is the four like temperaments. what? I remember that, but I can't remember what it is. Explain. Uh, what is a choleric wife? I, she's, she's, she's fiery? I, I don't know. 
She's fiery. That's what caloric means? <laughs> caloric. <laughs> caloric. Uh, caloric. I guess we're going to have to look it up. I don't know if those, are, look oh, those are people that are kind of sad and... Oh, always sad? Oh, yeah, looking on the, you know... The, the, the downside the glass, of things? Glasses half empty. Glasses half empty types. Make sure. Mm, that's no good. You, I, I understand that that could, how that could be, you know, a downer. She's a Debbie Downer. She's sadness in uh, uh, Inside Out. Inside Out is one of the best little kids movies you can ever watch, right? Um, yeah. Choleric is... Bad-tempered or irritable. Bad-tempered, irritable. Maybe she should do Salah on the Prophet, so I said him. If you're bad-tempered and irritable, you need Salah on the Prophet, so I said him. Right now, sometimes people are bad tempered, irritable. Usually, it's a, to me, it's a spiritual thing, not a physical thing, right? And okay. I think that you can advise to certain good good habits. Okay, choleric. Where the real choleric is the most active of the four four temperaments. The choleric personalities are hot, dry, fiery creatures. At their best, ambitious, brave, and proud. But they can also be vindictive, deceitful, and violent. And without exception, they are irritable and bad-tempered. Wallahi, this sounds like me, right? On my bad side. But with Salah and the Prophet has cured that. I'm telling you. Salah and the Messenger, peace be upon him, it is, it's a, it's a, it's a soothing thing. So if you could bring some of that into your household. Okay? But he's saying here that choleric is the love of authority. She wants to be in charge all the time, Right? Is that what he's saying? I guess what he's saying is she wants to be in charge of things all the time. Well, I mean, you are in charge of certain things. She is in charge of certain things. And you're in charge of certain things. And certain things have to be a deal. Right? All right. Pork chop Sufi <laughs> says bossy. Means bossy. The choleric wife is bossy. Okay? Um... It's a, it's a tough situation, to be honest with you. Bossy wife. We got we to gotta think about that one, to be honest with you. I can't just give you something without, you know, some kind of thoughtfulness to it. Got to think about that one. Can a Muslim woman work as an actress? No. Because you have to be viewed. I don't, I don't even think a man, you're acting for men either. Okay. How do you overcome fatigue? Says RVD1 in dua. I make a lengthy dua after every salah, but at times I get tired. Okay. You have energy insofar as you have hope and you have desire. So stoke your desire. Habib Omar was asked about this and he said, بِالتَّأَمُّلْ تَأَمُّلْ con- Visualization, تَأَمُّلْ Contemplation الْأَمْرَ الَّذِي تُرِيدُهُ You contemplate the matter that you want. Right? أَوْ يَكُونْ أَمْنِيَةً لَكَ أَوْ Whatever you're desiring. If you put that image in your head and if it will fuel your hope. Right, it's only when life comes happens and you get busy and you it dims that visualize that vision of what you're shooting for dims. 
So let's say someone on medical school want to be one of these doctors that works in Manhattan in the busy university, Columbia University Medical in the hospital. It's exciting life, et cetera, et cetera. But the grind of medical school is going to get you down and you're in some miserable medical school. What do you do? You just keep remembering that image that got you inspired in the first place, right? Hufad of Quran are like this too. Like to really want to be Hufad and seeing people recite for like four hours straight from memory. Or people who, other things that people want in life, right? Uh, it could be just normal. It could be a marriage, a happy marriage. You're, you visualize yourself in that happy marriage. At-ta'amul, this is what Habib Omar said. Contemplation, the matter that you want. The more you contemplate it, it makes you, fills your heart with happiness. You get the energy again to do it. Energy is not about the body. Energy is about hope. Yusuf says, how do you know if the act you're doing is worship or not? If the Prophet described it, and the scholars explain that this is an act of worship, then it's an act of worship. So playing my guitar is not an act Sunnah. of worship. No. Playing your guitar, right, to sing about Allah, the second marriage is in central Jersey, that I could say, this is the reference point. Use kindness and encouragement. That's true. I go for encouragement. If it's someone's discouraging, I don't even listen to them. I don't listen to bad news. Make it clear that you are on the choleric side. Very important. Right? We got to be, I got to know that you're on my side. I don't need some resistance. Avoid the appearance of a head-to-head combat. Okay, or else the choleric will be tempted in nature to fight and defend you back, uh, defend herself or himself. Uh, lucid dreams is the question. We believe in dreams. We have a whole. We talked about dreams one time so much for like a month or so. But true dreams are symbol symbolic from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. They have, come in symbols, and the dream interpreters know those symbols, and they come in symbols so you know it's from Allah. It's not from your subconscious. Very rarely you get a dream of something happening and it happens the next day. That's a subcategory of dreams, of true dreams. But most dreams, they come in the form of symbols. You can't decipher the symbols. That shows you, that proves to you it's not your subconscious mind talking. Then a dream interpreter will give you the symbols. Okay? Why is it a condition for a sin to be in real life? I gotta scroll up. Lucid dreams aren't real life. If you kill in a dream, then how would it be haram? It's not haram. Killing someone in a dream may be a symbol. Homosexuality may be a symbol. It's not, it may not even be bad in a dream. Usually, homosexuality means the conquest of your enemy because you have put your influence inside of him, your body into him. So you put your influence in him. You're the conqueror. Zina is not zina in a dream. You didn't commit any sins. In, you cannot commit a sin in a dream. Okay. Sounds like school's out. Mm-hmm. Who are these kids? There's a lot of kids over there. Yeah. They came from like Nicaragua. Honduras. Honduras. Uh, Reef, if you know, uh, or, or hat makers, yeah, if you know hat makers, I myself need like a hundred of these to be made. It's harder than you think to make this hat. I've had many people try it. The only one is, she's Ukrainian. Ukrainian woman who works for Coach up in New York City. Um, she makes them. I bother her every once in a while for them. 
All right. Sarah X says, please discuss the obligation of hijab given the current climate in the West. The obligation of hijab comes in the Quran many times. Not only it comes in the Quran. We don't need textual evidence for hijab. Did not the Sahaba women wear hijab? Did they have kids? Did that boy look at his mom? She's, you're a companion of the Messenger of Allah, that's how you dress. My aunt is a companion, that's how she dresses. Our neighbor is a companion, that's how she dresses. It's mutawatir. And it's mutawatir. And it's explained in Surah An-Nur. They should bring their khimar, their head coverings, on their chest. In the Arab times, and if you go to all the, the farmlands of the different countries, they tend to cover their head and throw it in the back. Why? To cover the head from the sun and the dust and protect the hair from the dust, and to give breathing room for the chest. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, bring it in front of your chest to cover your chest. The Qur'an didn't even say put it on, it's assuming that they have it on already. It said bring it from the back, put it up front. Someone says, oh, are you talking about women's bodies? No, I'm talking about the Qur'an. Okay, I'm not talking about women's bodies. What do I have to do with you and your body? Right? I don't have anything to do with it, and I don't want anything to do with it. I'm telling you what the Qur'anic verse says. Right, and, and the other objection is that khimar is the same as hijab today. That's is khimar and hijab? Khimar is head covering. Period. Full stop. Okay, it's go into the tafsir and the Arabs dictionaries. Because that's the Arabic dictionary. They'll say is that you know the, the prophet's wives were commanded. Uh, to prophet's to wives had to cover their faces. No one else was. They take your khimar, put it up front. What does a Muslim woman wear hijab today? Puts a hijab up, pins it here. Or ties a knot here, and it goes up front. The same hijab they were sahabiyats were wearing, the Muslim women today in the street is wearing, right? And the clothes should not be form-fitting or transparent. That's it. Baggy clothes that doesn't show your form and is not transparent. That's it. And the hands, face, and the and the feet is different upon. That's the only thing that's different upon. Hands, face can show. The Prophet said that directly to a, Muslim, a new convert woman. She came in. Al-Abbas, his brother, Al-Fadl ibn Al-Abbas, staring at her because she was so pretty Al-Fadl said the Prophet took my jaw and he turned my face he commanded the wrong he forbid the wrong with his hands as the Quran says he literally took the, the boy's chin and his cousin, it's his cousin by the way and he pushed it over like that and then the woman asked well how do we dress new Muslims from Mecca said cover everything except this and this okay as you said we don't need textual evidence beyond the textual evidence it's motivated from the time of the Muslims. So, whether or not... So, what's the proof that... Oh, some people say it's impossible because you can't be discriminated against. Let's get out of the weeds. Let's look at the reality. Look at all these women on this thing. They're all wearing hijab. They're all speaking English. They're all living in New York and New Jersey and Connecticut and Philadelphia and Arizona and, and England. Millions of people are doing it. If it's bad, it'd be bad for everybody. Right? Assalamu alaikum. Do you have to be asleep before Tahajjud? You should sleep before... T- it will. To count as Tahajjud, you want to sleep first. And then wake up completely with a clear mind. And then you will be able to, inshallah ta'ala, see the effect and the power of that Tahajjud. And if you can hold the Qur'an in your hand and recite long Tahajjud, that's even better. Aisha says, There's nothing intrinsically wrong with telling a woman what to do with her body. Everyone agrees on some form of dress code, but seculars... Ch- what to do with your body? What is all the porn companies doing? When she signs a contract, 
She's contracted out her entire body for the worst of the worst of the worst of actions. And that's what the liberal left, they love this pornography and they want to make it out in the streets and they're lovers of this sex work. What is sex work? He got the contract. Hey, you, we're going to give you $10,000 for the next day, for one day of work. If 10 guys urinating on you. Well, that's why I'm rid- urinating. You find this pleasurable? You need mental help. Right? And she's accepted it. And you think these porn uh, producers, they're women and feminists for liberation? You know, there was a recent thing about if you look at the porn companies and who's supporting this, it's like the Chase Manhattan Bank and this and that. They're all unreal. They're all in, you know, there's, I think, the, I forget the company's name, but it's like something that you would never link to it. But they own unreal. the biggest porn sites. And, Unreal. and there's major money in this, and the and the banks and this and that. They're all, they're all. Look, if you're Comcast in this, right? You're you're a purveyor of porn because you're you're allowing that stuff to go out over your network. Hundred ten percent. And 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 by the way, okay. By the way, uh, the other thing is this. As we said, capitalism, the dean is capitalism. It will be the door. It will permit, because as you said, what is the biggest thing that's viewed on, on uh, online more than the NFL, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, is pornography. It's just a matter of time that Comcast wants to show it on their own TVs to get channels, to get views. Okay. Abdullah Nahas, I live an hour and a half away from family and visit every weekend. I'm in a state of travel in order to pray Jamaqas, since it's my former home. It's makru to pray travelers in your the house that you grew up in, because it's a type of house of yours. But if it's just a different family, then yes, you can pray. Shorten your prayer. Last question. I'm telling you, Reef is right, it's custom. Uh, can you ask Allah to make your soul communicate to another alive person's soul? You are allowed to say, Oh Allah, send this message to somebody. And Allah Ta'ala can re- relay that message to that person. If it's something, you know, bil ma'ruf, wholesome. Why? Because a sahabi did it for the Prophet He was about to be killed. And he said, Oh Allah, send my salam to the messenger. And the angel Jibreel did that. But if it's, for example... Um, Something like, uh, oh Allah, I want to communicate with this woman because she's so pretty, blah, blah, blah. We wouldn't say that that's been maruf, no. What about the concept of being submissive? Submissive to God's law. Submissive by following the rules. So there, the idea of being submissive, this is a question from Elegant Adams. Eglantine Adams. Englantina Okay, I'm not going to try. <laughs> but it's sub, what is sub, submissive is there are rules of sharia that Allah gave in every relationship. Submissiveness is in that. The idea of submissiveness, you know, that you come in and, oh, here's your flip-flops already, and let me massage your feet. And maybe the old days when the guy is fighting wars, right? And you're sitting at home all day. But in our day and age, what is submissiveness? If, if my own daughter says, Oh, Baba, how do I be a wife? I say, you follow the rules of Sharia. You respect 
a man loves to be respected, right? So you respect your husband, okay? You do stuff with shura. Don't try to manipulate control in any relationship. Husband shouldn't do that. Wife shouldn't do that. Like, don't try to manipulate someone's mind, right? By the way, there's many ways women can totally have uh, her husband rely on a leash, but she looks like she's submissive, right? She looks like she's the... That's what they said about Johnny Depp, poor guy, Madloom, right? He said that... <laughs> I don't know if this is real or not. It's hilarious. He said that he would come home and she would rush and take his boots off and rub his feet, right? And he comes one home every day. She takes his boots off. One day she was on the phone. So he came home, sat on the couch, took his boots off, right? <laughs> she goes to him, excuse me, what did you just do? And he's like, I just took my boots off. So this she's is like, called, that's my job. This is called love bombing. And she's a narcissistic personality. Yeah. And this is what they do. They kind of suck you in before finally... Yeah, so he's like, wait a second, I realized I'm in this relationship, I can't even take my boots off, right? But it's like, he got he's already stuck in it. So, the idea of submissiveness is that it's respecting the rules that Allah has put in this relationship. That's the, what I understand about it, and respecting the person in front of you. And Allah knows best, uh, you know, uh, beyond that. Is it okay to send salah by saying Allahumma salli wa sallim ala nabiyina Muhammad? That's an excellent salah. A great book, by the way, alhamdulillah. Which book uh, are we talking about? Uh, Science of Tawheed. Science of Tawheed. Thank you, Kim. I hope you got, by the way, I hope I hope she got it. We had those that issue. Uh, Kim, could you tell us if we got, if you got your order, by the way? So the company that, that owns all these porn companies is called MindGeek. Okay. And those are the investors in MindGeek. All right, listen to this, guys. Actually, kids, shut your ears. Pornhub has over 120 million daily visitors. Half, That's more right. than New Jersey. It's more than New Jersey. That makes this website, this website, bigger than, listen to this, Amazon, YouTube, and Netflix. I'm assuming that's combined. Combined, okay? Netflix is absolutely nothing in comparison to how many souls this website ruins. Who are the investment investors in the company that owns Pornhub? J.P. Morgan Chase. Cornell University, Fortress Investment Group. Manwin is the parent company of Pornhub. Okay. I'm telling you, capitalism is the religion. If money can be made, they will eventually influence the lobbyists, right? And I can imagine all the, the cable companies will be rushing to get into this. And then the politicians will make laws to make this sex work, and then the fake uh, Muslim uh, types, activists, will say sex work is halal. That's like a Lebanese or a... Okay, so there's this, this guy... Firas Antoun. Firas Antoun, he's a Lebanese Christian or something. He's the CEO of Pornhub, and his brother serves as the vice president of MindGeek. So, um, so represented in the... Yeah, so, and these guys, looking at the guy on the left, who's the CEO, this guy could not get, you know, in the clubbing scene, he the, wouldn't even be a waiter. The author makes a point that if you look at a lot of those people that are involved in this... They're soulless. I mean, their eyes and everything are—it's yeah. like there's—it's just a behind all this. This whole thing. This is the worst. Forty women sued MindGeek for eighty million for lying about how they distribute their videos on blah 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 blah. Okay, 
And there's coercion, intimidation, fraud. I mean, subhanAllah, unreal. Rape, child porn has now infested this stuff. MasterCard and Visa pulled their services back to force Pornhub to remove. And by the way, no, but they're that, only, that, only until it gets socially acceptable. came out because there were allegations of child mm-hmm. pornography on these sites and, and they were going to get a backlash. There was going to be a financial out. backlash on MasterCard if that happens. Yeah. But that's it. That's Not any it. other consideration. Unbelievable. Astaghfirullahaladzim. These people. Worse than Quraysh. Wallahi worse than Quraysh. Compulsive pornography users. Brothers, this is your jihad. Don't talk to me about the Ummah and the Khilafah. You can't even do this. This is your jihad. Fi sabilillah. And it's not going to count. Yes, technically, it's not the jihad of the books of fighting with their sword. But this is, Wallahi as hard. This is your battle. Okay? It eviscerates your brain. He's got graphs like where healthy people who don't, don't look at this stuff, nothing's lighting up. The porn brain is like all yellow. Activating so much of your, you know, it's, it's tied into your emotions, your feelings and all that kind of stuff. And that's a problem, right? Because this is the only way you can make yourself feel good for that. Well, anything you can do to get out of this is your number one priority. If you're a Muslim man, your number one priority is to get off of this, this disease. Okay. Okay. There are groups opposing this. Exodus cry, trafficking hub, Christian groups. We need where's Isna? Where's all the Islamic groups? No, I am actually did a big thing on this. Yeah. No, we need political we need money behind this. YM did all this? It's it underst- who is Ancestral Vril? It's Christian? I guess I don't okay. know. It's, we're reading Twitter by the way. Quitting porn is a lifelong battle. The devil never sleeps, eats, or rests. I think it's a Christian. It's your duty to your fellow brothers and sisters to reject this degeneracy. Never compromise on this topic. That's why I tell my kids when I when I'm when I'm talking about like cell phones and computers and all the computers in my house at a certain hour of the day. I don't care if I finished homework or didn't finish homework. First of all, there's no such thing as going to the room with a computer. You do that at the living room, dining room, kitchen table, okay? And no such thing as you got it all angled to the wall. Why, why, why is your computer angled to the wall, right? You're not angling to your wall because you're looking at MBA scores, okay? No one's going to care about that. No angling. The computer's out in the open. And they say, well, why all these rules? My friends don't do it. I'm, my job is to make sure that you go through life in this roof, under this roof, without this sin coming into you because once it comes in you're an addict okay once it comes in i don't know what's going to happen i'm not letting this thing in allah has charged you our fathers out there to make sure this hasn't happened and mothers to support the fathers in this in his absence you have to be the shepherd and make sure this i don't care what your friends say what parties you're missing out on all that secondary we'll fix that we'll find another way to fix all that i'm not even letting the chance happen in the same way, we don't bring poison, stick it in the fridge, and say, kid, oh, oh, 12-year-old, oh, 15-year-old, use your best judgment. Put all stack of playboys, son, use your best judgment. No, I'm taking that decision out of your hands completely, right? I'm doing you a favor. Because now, when you go on in life and move on in life, 
you're going to have a feeling, a reference point of purity. You're going to know what it feels like to be pure, right? And if you stumble, your soul will tell you something is wrong here. I feel something is bad. But how can you have that? That's your driving force. I feel something's bad. How can you have that when you don't have a reference of many, many years of purity? So that cell phone, no, I'm not going to give you one. And if I do give you one, which eventually I'm going to give them one, it's going to be with so many restrictions. I'm going to go to the Jews. I'm going to go to New York, Manhattan, B&H, show me your rabbi. Give me that strictest Orthodox Hasidic Jew, I'll pay him. Give me the kosher phone, because they have some called kosher iPhone, where they go in and they make sure that no pornography can be accessed on this. Okay. He's going to give me that. That's going to be your phone. You're going to have a yarmulke on your iPhone. Right? <laughs> okay. When that happens, okay, when you need it. But I'm also not naive. It's taqwa. You have to instill the taqwa, the love of the prophet, the love of the, the, love of the deen, love of the Quran, f- fear, belief. Taqwa, taqwa, taqwa is the most important thing. Okay? Taqwa. But I'm also, Allah has given me arms, hands, and feet to stop this poison from entering my house. You don't let poison in the house and say, use your own judgment. Or so that you can get used to dealing with it. Right? Because someday you're going to have to deal with it. Likewise, someday my wife is going to have to deal with like a jerk. Do I bring jerks in the house? Right? (laughs) Someday my daughter is going to have to deal with a jerk. Do I bring jerks in the house? Someday you're going to have to deal with not drinking alcohol. Do I go buy a beer and put it in front of my thirsty son's... Learn to deal with it. No, I cut it. I don't even give them the choice. So I have a lock. All the computers, they go into this lock. All my own iPads and computers, which they probably saw the password and hacked me, right? They're coming where I can see them at night. Okay? So I, I, uh, they can relax. I've taken the choice out of your hands, right? And I'm the bad guy. Your friends do this, that, tell them my dad, he's crazy. One I have second. no care. I don't care. The moms might not want to do that. No, so the dad should do it. Once, once I gave my son my phone, and there were 135 <laughs> attempts to uh, crack my passcode. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> how, how many weeks was it? How many weeks was it? Uh, a couple hours. <laughs> now now you, you probably got to have been off, right? Because they lock you out, right? This was before that. Oh, before so that. do as many as you want. Wow. SubhanAllah Adim. I don't know what happened, but as soon as we started to do this, Ryan, you deleted all these messages on YouTube. I guess the algorithm kicked in when we said the word, right? Uh, Tinder X... These Iblises. Now, what happens when the porn becomes through the Oculus? It's going to be so realistic. The addiction will happen like heroin the moment you experience it, right? That's the nature of addiction. That's why Allah says, don't come near it. Other things, Allah says, is haram. Like khanzir, pork. He just says, don't eat it, right? It's prohibited for you. Zina, don't come near it, because it's an addiction, like alcohol. All right, folks, thank you all so much for being here, because I had some adulting to do, okay? Uh, I had some adulting to do, and now that I didn't have it today, I was able to do this long session, okay? Can a Muslim woman go for adventure, like diving, caving, gliding? Yes. Um, it's not with other dudes, but yes. Uh, 
Okay. Surah Waqiyah after Asr. And women get less good deeds in life because the prayers are missed due to menstruation? No. Because they have sabr. Sabr of the pain makes up for it. Of course, they have less prayer. When they open their book, they have less salah, but they have more sabr. Right? Patience is sometimes a greater uh, reward than a positive action depending on the sincerity of the positive action. Unfortunately, we can't get to all the questions, but I wish um, that we could. And we will simply just... Um, any advice on the melancholic, the sad? Go out in the sun, read the stories of Omar ibn Khattab. Okay? And just one final scroll through here. All right. That we will stop with that, inshallah. Jazakum uh, khairan, everybody. Highly... Uh, Okay. So many comments that I couldn't get through, unfortunately. Mm. All right, folks. We need your dua. We all need dua here. Make dua for the entire Ummah of Islam. Okay. Kosher iPhones. Get them from Manhattan, the Jewish district, the, the, the Hasidic Jewish areas. Look it up, inshallah, they'll have it there. Uh, kosher iPhone. Jazakumullah khair folks subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilaik rabbana taqabbal minna innaka antas sami'ul alim wa tub alayna innaka antat tawwabur rahim rabbana taqabbal minna innaka antas sami'ul alim wa tub alayna innaka tawwabur rahim rabbana taqabbal minna innaka antas sami'ul alim wa tub alayna innaka antat tawwabur rahim wa sallallahu barik ala sayyidina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wasallam tasliman allahumma salli salatan kamilah wa sallim salaman taman ala sayyidina muhammad alladhi tanhallu bil 'uqd وتنفرج بالكرب تقضى بالحوائج تنال بالرغائب وحسن الخواتم ويستسقى الغمام بوجه الكريم وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم سنيما لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك نسأل الله العفو والعافية والسلامة والرحمة لنا ولجميع أمة الإسلام ومن أعاننا على هذا البث المباشر وصلى الله بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم والحمد لله رب العالمين